Acknowledge me. It's a new day. Yes, it is. I am Vaughn Johnson. Who? Smile at you and kick your face off. I'm down with that. You got me mad now. You got a bicycle. I'm feeling good. All the skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. I love Virgil. I was like, yes, like this guy's awesome. We ride the bicycle in this arena. With my man, man, pots and pans, Nick McCone. That's me. Oh, you humanoids, get ready. I don't know where the kid is that was riding it, but he ain't on it when they brought it to the ring. But I don't like it when things aren't going my way. Don't you dare be sour. Too sweet. I got no wrestling. Nigga, right, he don't right, know. He right. don't know nothing else. <laughs> you know that wrestling. But he know that wrestling ball. <laughs> and he was about to hop over the table. What? what? <laughs> you are achy, breaky heart. Wanna be fresh? Oh, no sleep, no food, no nothing. Maniacism. You got the water, man! Give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! What's up, ladies and gentlemen, out there in internet land, and welcome to episode 344, 344 of the Stray Shooters. My name is Vaughn Johnson, and I'm joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pans, Nick Bacone, the Philly Influencer, and Fox PHL, the Gambler. I'm of the Philadelphia Inquirer. I forgot to say that earlier. But yes, we have yet another fantastic show ahead of us on episode 344. We got a deep dive. We're diving deep into another War Games match. Last week, we did the War Games match from Wrestle War 1992. Now we're doing another one six years later. War Games from Fall Brawl in 1998. It is the first ever three-team war games, nine-man war games. There's three people per team, right? Yeah. Made for some uh, interesting dynamics in this match. Interesting's a word. It's a word. Uh, and so it's a dynamic that NXT actually replicated when they brought That's back right. war games yeah. with three <laughs> teams. Yeah, they had. well, at least they didn't have they had shark cages involved. I remember mm-hmm. that. They had to... The people who weren't in the match in the shark cage. But they had three teams, yeah. I'm pretty sure, at some point. Maybe, yeah, one year. But um, <clears throat> it wasn't like a staple, thankfully. No. Like, but I, hopefully it won't be a staple uh, this I year. I believe. It doesn't seem like it will be. I believe the first War Games match in NXT was a three-team. I can look it up now since we're uh, talking about it. Eh. You know. Let's but, just leave it out in the ether. No. <laughs> <laughs> leave it out there in the, in the ether. Let's see here. Yeah, it was. I really said other and it's ether. Right? Yeah, you did. <laughs> Just say other. Um, what a yeah, way undis- to start. <laughs> Undisputed Era, Authors of Pain, and Sanity. Remember that? Oh, jeez. That was the first one they brought back? Yeah, 2017, baby. Huh. NXT TakeOver War Games, Houston, Texas. So Ugh. we're digging into another one. The first one of, of this kind from Fall Brawl in 1998. And we're going to talk about the show in its entirety, everything surrounding the show. But before we get into that, I got to do my weekly check-in with my main man, Pots and Pants. Nick, how are you on this Friday night before SmackDown, my good brother? Yeah, two Fridays in a row. How about that? Recording straight shooters. Uh, I guess I'm all right. <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh, War Games coming up. Seems like, you know, a, a week ago when we recorded, we had no clue, really, of the direction. We had, like, maybe a hint. 
I know the in the men on the men's side, the bloodline were going to be involved. On the women's side, you had uh, Damage Control and Alexa Bliss, Oscar, Bianca Belair. But uh, now we have more of a you know direction, which is nice. Which now we're a week away from War Games, and uh, we have an AEW pay per view tomorrow night, which I'm really not. Uh, I don't know. It's been a weird month. You know, I'm not exactly hyped for wrestling right now, but uh, I think. AEW's pay-per-view is pretty stacked for uh, what the fallout from All Out. <laughs> See what I did there? Uh, I saw the that. fallout uh, from there. So, I mean, you got to crown MJF there, I, I would assume. Otherwise, I don't know what you, you do, you know, if you're AEW as you move forward, if you don't crown MJF. But that's kind of like what I'm excited about from that pay-per-view. I think it's MJF's moment and uh, really nothing else should happen uh, other than MJF being crowned the champ. So that's something to look forward to this weekend. Then we have War Games, the Survivor Series War Games that you have been talking about so much the last few years. Uh, you know, make Survivor Series different or just get rid of it altogether. They finally, uh, <laughs> all it took was this man having to go away <laughs> for uh, to make Survivor Series a little bit different, you know, now introducing War Games, so I'm excited for that. Uh, that's really it. I mean, I guess I've been watching some old Superstars episodes uh, on Peacock, and uh, now I'm, I'm like really hyped to rewatch the '94 Royal Rumble because I've been watching like Superstars episodes. They they used to hype stuff so well for me as a kid. I was so impressionable. I was like, oh my god, we have to order this pay per view. I can't miss the Royal Rumble. And my mom's like, "Will you stop? Like, we can miss the War Rumble. Like, we can miss the War Rumble. Okay, but uh, the way they hyped it, I was like, "Oh my god! If I miss it, I'm not gonna be able to live with myself." So, uh, yeah, I might actually watch the '94 Royal Rumble this weekend at some point because now I'm just hyped to watch it again, <laughs> just okay. based off superstars. So, yeah, I'm like in a, you know, just biding some time till Thanksgiving, I guess, and afterwards, then we'll be on the road to Christmas and. Uh, you know, Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and all the <laughs> all the holidays. holidays. I don't want I want to leave anything out. So what was we're that? on all our, the holidays. The road to the the road to the holidays instead of the road to WrestleMania. So, um, yeah, it's pretty much my favorite time of year. But I don't know, man. It's a weird, also a weird time. Maybe it's because maybe I'm just. Annoyed with the whole Twitter and Elon Musk thing because uh, yeah, Twitter's where I, I, I'm able to, you know, build my brand and, and with, you know, content and uh, I can't do what I do on Twitter on like another platform. So that's kind of like annoying me too right now. So I just I hope we get past it and Twitter doesn't die and we're all good <laughs> eventually. Yeah, all hell's breaking loose over at Twitter, man. It's wild <laughs> it to is. see. Uh, right real now, time too. It's yeah, just like, like with emails and tweets and just wild yeah. stuff. It's like, what is going on here? Like uh, uh, projecting, you know, signs on the Twitter building <laughs> from across the street. You see, you see those pictures and videos. I have not. Oh man, they're like bad, bad, bad. Anti Elon Musk uh, messages being projected across the Twitter's uh, building. You didn't so. fire those people yet. <laughs> oh, they probably that. did. They probably Didn't did. Lay them off on the spot. They're like you know, across the street from some random room, probably uh, projecting it onto the building. So <laughs> wild stuff. Yeah, it uh, is a crazy time out there. If you're it is. a Twitter it is. fanatic like I am, as you mentioned earlier, full gear is this weekend. 
and we got the big world title match. I thought I watched Dynamite Wednesday. It was not tremendous, uh, especially that last segment with uh, MJF and Moxley, which not necessarily what you want from the main event of the upcoming pay-per-view, which is a segment that was just like the crowd wasn't feeling that night. Uh, for whatever they, they got the firm involved, and it's like, what? It's a little too much. It's it's kind of too weird. many moving parts. But hopefully, we get. You know, obviously, the goal is to get to MJF being coming the world champion. How we get there, and you know, what's going to be the fallout, we'll have to see. Obviously, Saturday night. Uh, but like you said, the rest of the card is a lot of matches. I feel like this show is going to be like eight hours again. I, I just know, like every uh, time. It's like uh. that's the one thing. The one good thing that uh, WWE has started doing since the pandemic was make their pay-per-view shorter or the premium live events. Like, they're not four-hour. At least WrestleMania hasn't been. That's really the main show that's been, like, just extra long, obviously, when it was one night. Now that it's two nights, it's a lot shorter. But they've also moved uh, the most a lot of their shows to Saturdays, which is a nice, you know, thing that, I, you know, we have both approved of. Uh, but AEW has not got the memo that people don't like these four, four-and-a-half-hour shows. <laughs> like, <clears throat> and I guess, and look, it's a good way to get a lot of people on a car. Like, they... There's one weakness AEW has is that they don't have enough TV time for the roster. And some people can just go weeks and weeks without being seen just for no apparent reason other than they just, it's just what it is. Like, you don't have enough time for them. Uh, but on pay-per-view, they can get all these matches in and try to, you know, make them all really good, which is uh, good and bad. Because it's good and it's like, oh, we get so much good wrestling. But it's bad. It's like, oh, this, every match is going to be 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be here for a while. Yeah. And good matches can be, I mean, you start seeing a lot of the similarities between each match. Sometimes we get a lot of long matches. Uh, so hopefully that's not the case Saturday night. We're full gear. Uh, but, yeah, we, we, got a, we got a big title match this weekend in AEW. Uh, not much else going and, on in wrestling right now. It's just kind of Kenny Omega along. and the Bucks haven't even appeared on TV. Oh, yeah, and yet yeah. They're going to be in a match now. So that's all weird, too, a little bit. It's also, like, I mean... Ugh. Look, I know everybody's looking forward to the Elite coming back, and they're probably going to win the titles, and that's going to be dope, right? That's going to be fun. Okay, whatever. Outside of cutting a promo about CM Punk for one night, which is, you know, outside of that, which would be wild, and they probably won't be able to do because it's, you know, I think there's litigation that play or whatever. What can they do that's going to really add to AEW right now? In your mind. Besides win the trios titles and all right, the elites here. All right, now what? What do you see as far as <laughs> next for the elite uh, outside of winning this weekend and getting the titles back that they never technically lost? I mean, I would I would love to see MJF and Kenny Omega in a title feud. I mean, why not? Um, you know, we have is Kenny seen that. is Kenny one hundred percent? Well, I mean, I, I yeah, I mean that's that's a good. Uh, point, but to me, if if, if, I mean, if Kenny's you, not one hundred percent, I'm not putting him in the world title your, right now. To your question, I'm just kind of answering what f- for me would <laughs> kind of signify. What do they do that would got you? You know, get me more interested in it. Uh, the Bucks need to face FTR at some point. Like it's ridiculous. Like I feel like they're the reason why you know it didn't happen at all. Out. It's like, come on. Like, can we can we just do wrestling? Like. <laughs> It was a great wrestling storyline. Like I thought, that's what AEW was. Like, and it's not. It's just another. It's sports entertainment that really tries to do more wrestling related things, which I I appreciate. But again, 
while when we were doing this podcast before AEW even debuted, I was like, I can't wait because I feel like it's going to be old school WCW feel. They all they were already talking about the rankings and stuff like that. They're going to make it feel more like a sport. And WCW did all that in the 90s up until, you know, really around this pay-per-view that we're going to cover tonight um, where it was more they were trying oh to do everything WWF is doing and they just, oh could not, they just kind of not do it. There's a couple um, things on Fall Brawl. That, <laughs> they just couldn't match it. Um, and they should have never tried, but, you know, that's, you know, WWF changed what they were doing and they went ahead of WCW and the WCW had obviously had to change something. I mean, you know, you don't want to be in second place, especially in the you know mid to late 90s when wrestling was just booming like that. So I understand why WCW tried that, but obviously it was the wrong move. And they alienated a lot of their hardcore fans, and they never really uh, recovered, obviously, and WWF bought them out. I don't think AEW's in that position. I'm just like, man, I, want, I, want, I don't want to have to watch WCW from the 90s to enjoy wrestling as a sport. Like, why can't I enjoy it in 2022? It's just not how wrestling is right now. So I just have to bite the bullet and realize that. And some some weeks I'm, I'm better than others when it comes to, like, the sports entertainment crap. Like, I'm just tired of it. I, I leave it to WWE because, you know, they're the sports entertainment company. They're built off sports en- entertainment. I get it. It doesn't bother me as much when they do things I'm just not interested in it, and I can just be like, ah, whatever. Like, they're—that's what they're there for. But for like AEW for me is like, ah, I want to see like wrestling and like great wrestling storylines, which really can be more interesting than the best sports entertainment stuff. And they just—they try to inter- interject too many, too much sports entertainment stuff. So um, I was watching Dynamite Wednesday night too, and I was just like, ah, like, just not feeling it for, especially for a go home show when. MJF and kudos to him like he's trying but like being beat up by the firm and then disappearing I don't think it did a, a lot of what Tony Khan thought it would do I just don't understand where it's going build. what 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 is happening yeah, with that like, I guess we'll I mean, find out Saturday but like right what, if he what, does what's win if he does win like does he face some guys from the firm first like that would kind of be lame I, I don't want to see that um but yeah, we'll see. I mean, who knows? Who really knows what's going on in wrestling right now? But um, the thing is, we're going to find out together, like you said. We're all going to find out together. Yeah, we'll all find out Saturday. Where where exactly is this MJF, Firm, Moxley, world title story is going? Uh, people, A lot of people think that Regal is going to turn on Moxley. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, we'll it, see. It, at the same time, if he doesn't, it's like, then why is he so heavily involved in this? It's like, mm-hmm. you don't need that. And I just we'll burped. See. I'm sorry if you heard that. Mic, <laughs> it's, but fine. I burped. it's fine. I would not have known if you didn't say anything. Oh, well, there you go. I'm not <laughs> editing this out, by the way. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's the current nonsense in the world of professional wrestling. Are you ready to dive deep into some past nonsense, which is 1998 WCW, which is when things started to go left? For World Championship <laughs> Wrestling. Uh, we did the Halloween Havoc 98 deep dive a little while back. And it was right after we did it, the Halloween Havoc 97 <laughs> deep dive. And you can see the difference oh, yeah. between 97 and 98. And where things began to go. Like, what what is happening here? And you see it here at Far Brawl, too. What's going on here? <laughs> like, the, why is I'll this taking you, forever? The coolest thing about the show was the logo. 
and the mat, the ring apron. Even though there was a trapdoor there that you know injured the British Bulldog, uh, it looked cool. That was like the best thing about this show. It just the aesthetics were pleasing to me. <laughs> it's a strange show, but are you ready to dive deep into Fall Brawl from 1998? Well, I guess. That's you what guess. We're here for <laughs> All right. Well, let's do it. Fall no Brawl. Intro- oh, I was going to say. <laughs> what did you Grace say? No, I was going to say no intro because, uh, you know, the opening video package is just music. <laughs> yeah, 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 we can't. Yeah, that won't be great on the podcast. Not but Fall Brawl from 1998 emanated. From the Lawrence Joel Veterans Memorial Coliseum in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. It's better known as the LJVM Coliseum, or just the Joel for short. Uh, the show took place on September 13th, 1998. Uh, again, took place at the Joel in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. It is the home of Wake Forest men's and women's basketball. Did you know that? I do now. Okay. Did Was you also this, know? This isn't the same one as uh, 97. I believe so. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's the same thing. Because we did 97. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that was when Perfect turned on the Horseman, right? Yeah, yeah. Or Henning turned on the Horseman, not Perfect. Uh, nah. Did you also... Wake Forest basketball, it's not tremendous uh, anymore. I mean, they did beat LaSalle tonight. I just saw that. Uh, oh, but... Oh, no. Oh, no, yeah, oh, no right? <laughs> not, the, not the Explorers, but um, <laughs> they've got like two of the best players ever that's, that went to Wake Forest. Ever, huh? Yeah, you know, you might have heard of this guy. His name is Chris Paul. Okay. Called him the Point God. He's pretty good. Uh, that's, that, that nickname says that at least, right? And then you got Tim Duncan. Right. Ah. Also among the greatest of all time. Former I, MVP. I crap you not. That was going to be one of the names I said. Wow. I was just like, I don't want to be like stupid and, and name someone. I don't even... I didn't even know Tim Duncan went to Wake Forest, so that's that's funny. Right. But it was one of the first names that popped in my head because I was thinking of like, you know, recent NBA history within the last like 15, 20 years, and I was going to just say like, shout out names. Chris Paul would not have been one of them, but Tim Duncan was on my mind. So how funny is that? That maybe, maybe it was subconsciously I heard it before. That's why I thought about him. But Tim Duncan is uh, ridiculously was a ridiculously good p- player. I hated him because. Killed the Sixers. I mean, he killed everybody. And every team, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like we were special in that right, regard. That's true. We were like mediocre at best during yeah. his heyday. But. He, he is the big <laughs> fundamental for a reason. He was killing everybody with the fundamentals. Off the glass, Tim Duncan. But on this night in 1998, there were 11,528 people in attendance. They were there to see the war games, which had a tagline of <laughs> no retreat, no surrender. Not not the TNA pay-per-view, just the tagline here. And there's only one rule. No prisoners. Which is not... I don't know if that, that, that allowed in war games. Can you take a prisoner in war games? Um, you should be able to, right? <laughs> I don't think that's a thing. Yeah. But it's in the tagline. They so. were just like a bunch of word salad taglines in WCW back then. Yeah, because they just, they just even this tagline. to say things. No retreat, no surrender, one rule, colon, no prisoners. It's like, what? <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Now, now we got... There's Isn't that like slang? When you say take no prisoners, it's like dish out as much annihilation as you can on everybody. 
I mean, like, yeah, you're pretty much killing everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I guess it like it makes sense, but then it's just, there's three teams, so what? You don't want to kill your own team, if, right? If if I'm writing this, this is social copy, like for a social <laughs> media post. I hate this copy because you already got the no retreat, no surrender. Right. So there should be a third no something. Right, exactly. You don't break it up and be like, no retreat, no what? surrender. Oh, by the way, no prisoners. <laughs> like, just go no prisoners. Don't take out the one rule. No retreat, no surrender, no prisoners. There you go. Or, yeah. I mean, hit me up for advice at Von M. Johnson on Twitter. I do this. That's what, uh, you know, that's why Turner failed. <laughs> right, right there. That's why. Anybody need a social media consultant out there <laughs> for some copy and stuff like that? Hit me up at Von M. Johnson on Twitter. I got, I got ideas. <laughs> All right. I got ideas. Uh, again, like I mentioned earlier, this is a War Games main event that features not two, but three teams. Of course, last week we watched the Dangerous Alliance go up against Sting Squadron. Everybody's out at ringside. The corn flip is super important. The heels always win. They get the man advantage. And the match doesn't begin until all the men are in the ring. And then begins the match beyond. And there's no pinfalls, no submission. The only way, well, there is only submission. The only way is to win is through submission. No pinfalls in war games. This year's war games in 1998, a little different. A little different. Because, again, three teams. So two teams of five, we got three teams of three. So nine people overall. We're going to have Team WCW, which is DDP, Roddy Piper, and who was the last member of Team WCW? I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, Ultimate Warrior, The Warrior. The Warrior. Going against NWO Hollywood, which is Hulk Hogan, Stevie Ray, and Bret Hart. And they're going against the hottest faction in wrestling, the NWO Wolfpack, (laughs) Kevin Nash, uh, Sting and Lex Luger. Almost forgot the team members yeah, already. Right. <laughs> the hottest me- faction in wrestling at this point. I can't remember who's in the damn faction. <clears throat> but the difference is these teams aren't fighting for bragging rights. There's something at stake here. Also, there's not really teams. It's really a nine-person match. Yeah. Yes. They're just representing their sets in the match. But for real, for real, it's every man for himself because the person, for one, there is no match beyond in this one. The match can end at any point. So all nine people don't have to be in the ring for the match to technically start. It starts right away. So instead of the first two guys being at a major disadvantage, the first two guys starting out the match could be at a major advantage because it's pretty much one-on-one for that time. You don't have to deal with anybody else. But also, if you are the person to score the pinfall in this match, you not only win the match for your team, which is not really a team, you earn yourself a title shot against Goldberg, the World Heavyweight Champion, at Halloween Havoc the next month. So again, it's not really a team thing. It's more of a nine man, nine pack challenge, sort of, so to speak, right? Yeah. Where even supposed team members were attacking each other. Okay. So it's a little weird. It's a little wonky. We're gonna dig all into it later on with the main event. Mm. Uh, before we, <laughs> yeah, before we dig into the show, I haven't asked you this question in a while, Nick. Uh oh. But I wanted to ask you. Where were you in life in September of 1998? Oh, damn. Uh, starting my eighth grade year. So probably a little uh, timid. Uh, didn't un- and I was finally, I was in an elementary school that went K through eight. So I was finally the top dog in my school. Oh, um, man. <laughs> uh, which 
eighth eighth grade was quite a year. I will say that it was quite a year, um, and and it, its own good and bad ways. Um, but yeah, it was just starting out. I think I don't remember if Breakdown was before or after this, but uh, Breakdown was the WWF pay per view that September, and uh, I remember being all in because it was like right after SummerSlam '98, and WWF was clearly like number number one if in my heart <laughs> clearly already surpassed WCW because WCW like Goldberg didn't do much for me because I just looked at him as a stone cold ripoff. I mean, how, how wow. could you not? I don't, I mean, I'm not talking about in the ring, just like the look. It's funny you, you know? say that because there's a Goldberg ripoff on this show. <laughs> All <but>. right. <laughs> Which was funny. I will give it Chris Jericho, man. He he just proved by the way, why he's one of the best of all time uh, on this show. Uh, as you know, I just can't believe WCW let him go. But you know, we'll discuss that later. But um, I just, yeah, I wasn't feeling WCW. I I remember when the Wolfpack broke off and they had like the two NWO groups, and I was just kind of like, this is weird because now we're cheering for an NWO group. Um, when for like two years they wanted to end all WCW lives, basically. <laughs> um, and then you had Sting join it, and at first I was like, yeah, like, that's awesome. Now he needs the red face paint. And then, like, looking back and just seeing it play out, I'm like, damn, that sucks. Like, it's just, like, the stupidest decision after decision after decision that it's clear why WCW just couldn't uh, rebound from so many of these bad decisions. Even as Goldberg was the champion, um, He's just trying to carry that. I mean, he was over. There, there's no telling Goldberg is a superstar. But for me personally, I was just like, oh, Stone Cold ripoff. So I never looked at him as like a legitimate star. But I was also, you know, 12 years old. So that I, I, I think I, you know, I wasn't really mature and I didn't know the ins and outs of the business at that point. But I don't know, man. I just, I hated, I wanted to watch this and I did not. Because I love the War Games concept, and the previous year Kurt Henning, you know, turned on the Horseman. I thought it was a great wrestling storyline that just didn't have uh, the comeuppance that it deserved. Um, but yeah, I think I was just like paying very, very little attention to WCW. I would tape Nitro every week, but I wouldn't even watch it. And I taper all every week and watch it, you know, like the Tuesday and Wednesday after, <laughs> just because uh, you know I was so into it uh, so much. And WCW just wasn't there for me. So, um, yeah, and, you know, starting eighth grade, that, that was, you know, my graduation of elementary school. I mean, it's a big deal um, when you're that age and you're in that community for that long. And you're like, man, I'm going to graduate this year. So you, you start that year with a little bit of, you know, hell yeah, and <laughs> a little bit of bravado where I, like, walk around like I'm the shit almost just because I'm in eighth grade. But then it's like, well, in my neighborhood, there's, like, people in high school that are, like, what the hell? <laughs> You're just in eighth grade. Like, stop. Stop acting like you own this place. So, Because right, you're about to graduate and go <laughs> right back to the bottom of the totem pole once you get to high school. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it was definitely a weird time in my life. And I think and ra- this was also around the time where I dyed my hair the first time. My, oh my sister, uh, it was for my birthday. In oct- it was in October. So it was a couple weeks after this where... I dyed the top of my head. That was the style going around. Like everyone was getting highlights. You know, the guys were dying their head. You know, some were dying their whole head, and some were dying just the top of it. If they shave, so uh, 
I've got the white guys, which shave their <laughs> the white guys <laughs> shave their sides and back. Let's and clarify what, the white guys. <laughs> my I remember my classmate who for years had a hairstyle that he would just brush his hair back, and that that was it. You know, he came in with like this new hairstyle, and I'm like, oh my god, like I haven't seen you with hair like that before. But that was like the style coming in for for um, I guess men, like just short on the sides, short in the back. And you comb your up top, like you keep it a little longer, and you just comb it to the front. And then in the when you have like not bangs, but like in the front forehead, you just flip it up a little bit. So that was like the style that was going around that. That back then. All so, kinds of gel and yeah, little, yeah, little yeah. kids' hair back <laughs> and in like the late nineties, early two thousands. <laughs> that was uh, when I first changed my hairstyle because I had a surfer cut for the longest time, from when I was like in third or fourth grade. I had like a surfer cut and then I would part it in the middle and that was it. And then, you know, this was the style where the next month my sister took me, got my hair dyed for, for like my, that was my birthday gift. It was like a dark blondish color and it looked pretty good. Um, but it was so weird, like sitting in my head, you know, and how itchy it, it became. And I was like, ah, I just want to scratch my head. And I sit there for like an hour, an hour and a half. Um, but it wound up like looking pretty cool. I let it grow out, you know, through throughout my eighth grade year, and then I dyed it again. This time it was like bleach blonde, not like Ric Flair, a little little bit more yellow than Ric Flair's hair, and uh, just the top, not the sides or the back, just the top. And then I grew my hair out a little bit and parted it in the middle again. And I, you know, kids made fun of me, said I look like a skunk. I was oh like, no! <laughs> oh, Lord. and I have my eighth grade. Uh, graduation picture with that hairstyle but oh no <laughs> i mean i didn't hate forever. it I, I still don't hate it i mean i got picked on but you know i dealt with it and i came out through that a better person thankfully thank the lord because you know i know things can go sideways quickly when you're dealing with that type of crap growing up but thankfully i didn't let it bother me and uh i dyed my hair a few more times after that because <laughs> I was like, you know what? Who cares if I look like a skunk? I like it, and that's all that mattered. So, um, yeah, that was basically where I was during this time period. Man, that got deep. I <laughs> got real deep talking about your hair color, and you're getting picked on about your hair color. So, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a time in your was, life. It was a time. And all, through it all, WWF was there for me. <laughs> and not WCW. Not WCW. Only WWF. Uh, I was, let's see, this is 1998, so I would have been nine, so that means I would have been in, like, fourth grade, I think fourth grade, and um, just here, hanging out, you know, <laughs> nothing special. Uh, watching streets. <laughs> yeah, watching football, watching wrestling and stuff like that, nothing big, no big deal, just a kid. I now, had were you a, watching I'm, WCW or was it? No, like just I was WWF? not really watching WCW yet. Um, I was just getting in back into wrestling, so... Just starting with WWF because that's what everybody was, at least all my friends was watching. Yeah, um, and that's what I grew up on pretty much. I didn't really get into WCW until maybe ninety nine ish. I didn't really watch it too much uh, when I first got back into it, um, and by that point it was bad, so yeah. <laughs> it didn't matter. Yeah, I, I didn't watch the heyday live like ninety six, ninety seven. I didn't get to see that too much uh, as it happened, but I knew all my friends was watching it, so mm-hmm. I, I hear about it from them at least. Um, but yeah, that's where I was in life in 1998. 
at this time, at least. Not, not, not dyeing your hair, none of that. No, I pretty much had the same haircut since I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> not, I mean, not the same exact because that would be bad. You know, I can't have a haircut from the '90s, but uh, I've never really grown my hair out too far. The furthest I've grown my hair out was probably during the pandemic when the mm-hmm. pandemic first started, and I went like seven months without cutting my hair because barbershops weren't open yet. Like. Yeah. <clears throat> They weren't open for a while, so I mean, man, I went. I take that back. It was like almost a year, I think, that I went. No, I got my hair cut from. Hmm. So when we st- shut down everything, March. I I didn't think I got a haircut again until like September, until like um, when football season started, because I knew I was going to be coming back to uh, the office <laughs> for football season. Not really the office, but on game days, I was going to be at the stadium for on game day. So I wanted to look nice. <laughs> At least look presentable and i got my hair cut in like september of 2020 uh so yeah i went a while because <laughs> for obvious reasons so but that's it you know Get a little cool. fade going you know what i'm saying that's that's <laughs> nothing special with me about the hair i guess but you know what is special this opener not really the opening match. I'm talking about just the way the show starts, I guess. This, I was trying to transition into the start <laughs> yeah, of the show. I was somehow. like, let's see how you do with this I was particular event. But. I was struggling a little bit. <laughs> but we get the video package we mentioned earlier, which was just music. right? But it's all about the war games, mm-hmm. the main event. okay? Uh, and But we get Tony Schiavone. He welcomes us to the broadcast of Mr. Hail of Fireworks. He is joined alongside Bobby the Brain Heenan and Professor Mike Tenay. We explained the rules of war games already, so we don't have to go over that again. But then, did you did you like their uh, the desk they were sitting at the way they made it? At least they dressed up the set, right? They had like all I don't this, even remember. Remember, honestly. it was it wasn't like the previous year. You usually see like a regular desk, and sometimes like you know, Great American Bash, they'll have those little American flag, uh, you know, banner type things, and then the the logo right in front. Um, they completely covered the desk with like this. Uh, grassy. I don't know the word. Oh for it, yeah, it's, yeah. It's like um, yeah. I don't know what you would call it neither. But it's like yeah, something that you would find like in a barracks, I guess. Right, like, right, right. It's supposed yeah. to represent like military type, yeah. maybe camo camouflage. Stuff, yeah, type stuff. Like, I don't know. Things yeah, yeah, I that may that just now. made it look like they were in a jungle or something. And <laughs> right, because it's war, baby. I thought that was like that's pretty cool. Like I, I like that. Why didn't they do that the year before or the year before that? But. Now, 1998, they dress it up, and while the product is suffering, uh, their aesthetics are pleasing to me. So I like yeah. that. Yeah, I, I did notice that. I didn't necessarily have an opinion on it, but I did notice that. <laughs> You're like, that's um, a thing. <laughs> I do have a product. On, I do have an opinion on the product, and it is indeed suffering. We're going to talk about it <laughs> as we go along. Uh, because, I mean, look, they introduce us to the show. They explain the rules of war games, and then we just go backstage. <laughs> <laughs> to see Ernest and Cat Miller being held back by security, from who don't even we see don't who know. Yelling with, right? We just see <laughs> Ernest and Cat Miller and people holding him back. Now a whole lot of context there. This is the beginning of the show, by the way. This is the beginning of a pay per view. Okay. We then go back to the announcers, <laughs> who just start talking about other stuff that's happening at War Games. Not even what what are we doing here? What was that about? Did, okay. Remember when we did like Halloween Havoc? We you. Set a timer. It was like twelve yep. minutes before, uh, uh, you know, two people were in the ring or something like that. I set a match, timer for so. this one too, uh, okay. and it wasn't nearly as long as Halloween Havoc. <laughs> that was embarrassing. Uh, before but we they actually were, got, they were in a groove apparently with, with this little. We're gonna start a pay per view with no action at all. <laughs> Bad. Or, yeah. Not even yeah. Not not even like a brawl. 
just people right. talking. Like now we go to Mean Gene Oakland. Yeah. And he's talking about the big matches. And then Chris Jericho comes out to talk. <laughs> and it's like, what the hell? And he calls out Goldberg. And he said that Goldberg, who's, of course, the World Heavyweight Champion, Jericho's the World Television Champion. And Go- Jericho's been calling out Goldberg for weeks and talking about, I want to challenge you. Title versus title. Goldberg not even paying him no mind. Okay. Did not respond. And Jericho is still. Uh, poking and prodding at the bear known as Goldberg. This is similar to the story that happened back in what, 09 with the Miz and John Cena. They kind of replicated that th- that story here or as this story there, I should say in 2009, because <laughs> it started here. Uh, but yeah, of course, Jericho calling him out. Uh, he says that Goldberg has accepted his challenge and they're going to have a, a match on the show tonight at fall brawl for all the marbles. <laughs> And it's, it's just so funny because the announcers are, like, eating it up. They're like, oh, my God. Like, you really think if you didn't hear from Goldberg that Jericho, like, they're believing Jericho, and obviously Gene Oakland's got to be like, well, I got to confirm that. Right. Like, that's <laughs> Gene Oakland pretty much gave away that this is not happening. It's like, that's not that's not been confirmed. I was like, okay, well, I guess it's not, it's not a thing then that's going to happen. So don't get your hopes up uh, out there, fans, because it didn't happen. Something happened, but it wasn't Goldberg versus Jericho. Uh, and then we finally get to our first match. We are six minutes into the telecast. Ah, six minutes. Okay. Six minutes. And I'm, I'm being generous. It might be six. It's pretty sure it's over six minutes. But I'm going to say for the sake of rock and roll, six minutes. Okay? Just a rough estimate. That's still a long time. I'm <laughs> yeah. not used to that. Yeah. What's going on here? Why are we? What are we talking about? <laughs> like, who cares? <laughs> This had to be the beginning of the show. The first thing we right, saw was right. Ernest the Cat Miller. That's the first thing we saw. <laughs> Why? <laughs> like, that doesn't make any sense to me. But here we are. He's the, the first greatest. match. He is the greatest karate champion of all time, pretty much. But I need to see some wrestling, too. <laughs> and here we are. The first match of the night is a tag team match player. <laughs> right? It is the Dancing Fools. Disco Inferno. This a tag team match. Yeah, Disco Inferno and Alex Wright. What a pairing that is. They're going up against Dancing Fools. <laughs> yeah, that's their name. Yeah. They're going up against the British Bulldog and Jim the Anvil Neidhart. We always talk about what happened to Bret Hart after he left WWF. Mm-hmm. We don't often talk about British Bulldog and Jim <laughs> Neidhart also bouncing on WWF and landing in WCW. As you can see here, Bret Hart just turned on these two guys, so things weren't going so well for British Bulldog and Jim Neidhart. <laughs> not great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Bulldog not looking too great either, and you know it didn't, didn't surprise me here at his back here, but he was looking a lot of uh, lbs extra since he was on WWF last. So. Oh man, I didn't I didn't take note. He just looks like he packed on a lot of body weight and it I, I maybe it's just because i was i watched so much old stuff that i remember him from like especially 97 wwf and how great that was and i i think about that and you know fast forward a year later he's almost been in wcw a year now and i just don't think he's taking care of himself at all and you could see like his face is a lot fatter and, and it's just doesn't look in great shape and Jim Neidhart is there. Um, I, I, I put in my notes he's a heat vacuum. Now, I, do, I don't 
insider term, heat, a vacuum, does that mean he gets a lot of heat? Like if you were to think about it or because my the reason why I said heat vacuum is that he just gets no reaction at all. He just sucks all the heat out of the air. Okay. Yeah. That, that, like, nah, he, well, there was like no reaction that way, for him. Right. When you say it that way, that makes sense. He just sucks yes. the heat out of the building. That's what I mean by heat vacuum. Jim Neidhart was a heat vacuum in WCW. Absolutely nobody cared about him at all. So, you know, this this match, you, you had the most over guys, I think, being Alex Wright and Disco Inferno. So. I'm not sure how much WCW, how much effort WCW put in to getting Jim D'Anvo Neidhart over. <laughs> That's true. He was a, like probably that. on Saturday night a lot. I don't feel like they put a lot of effort into that. No. So uh, maybe it's not all Jim's fault. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I agree, but it's just crazy considering where they were with the Hart Foundation. And, you know, that's part of the reason why I was just so pro WWF. It's like, man, everyone that goes to WCW sucks now. It's like the <laughs> Razor Ramon and Diesel were like the. Uh, exceptions to the rule, you know, like, because when Hulk Hogan first went over, it wasn't like he was doing anything different. Um, it took him, you know, the heel turn to get me back, you know, interested in him. But other than that, like anyone, like when Bret Hart came over, it was interesting at first, but by this point in September, 1998, he'd already made like two or three heel turns. <laughs> it's like, what's going on here, man? Like it just didn't make sense at all in, in a wrestling storyline sense from what I grew up with from when I started watching in 1990 and I, I'm eight eight plus years into watching wrestling at this point by this pay-per-view so I have a lot of wrestling like watching on my resume already by this point so I, I just couldn't believe what they did with like Bulldog and Nightheart when I saw them at the top of their game in WWF with the Hart Foundation just a year prior and now they're on Saturday night you know almost every week and on opening matches on pay-per-views. It's there was like no heat for anything they did. The landscape had changed, man. It's a different yeah. company. Yeah. They're gonna get utilized differently now. That's just ah, well. that's just it. <laughs> that's just it. I don't know what else to add to that. It's just a little different now. Like not even uh, in the tag team title pitcher, which is just, oh, whatever. Whatever, man. Whatever. <laughs> that was, that's what it felt like a lot of things that's happened in WCW. Just like, whatever. Yep. We don't know. Yep. We're going to try it. Uh, speaking of whatever, the fans were saying whatever <laughs> during this match, including saying, we want flair. Mm. Which, I mean, this show is happening in flair country, so to speak, mm-hmm. in North Carolina. But if you're wondering why they are saying that, and when, where is flair, actually? Mm. He had been off TV since April. Yeah, that's just crazy because I didn't even think about that back then. Yeah. Due to a lawsuit with WCW over no showing an episode of Thunder. <laughs> but but he wouldn't be gone for that long, not much not that much longer cuz he returned to WCW the night after the show. <laughs> and this was of course the night where he him and the four horsemen were in the ring and they had all the tuxedos on and Bischoff comes out and Eric or not I should say Flair cuss Eric Bischoff's ass smooth out <laughs> on that microphone. I'm fired. You fired me? I'm already fired. I'm already fired. Is that that same promo? Or am I, am I yeah, yeah, it is. Yep. Okay. Because it was so funny. He was like so uh, professional. He was like back in the ring. 
uh, with his friends. They're reforming the Four Horsemen. He's crying tears. And Bischoff comes out, and then Flair just reverts back to the, <laughs> the crazy Flair promo. Crazy Flair. Fire me. I'm already fired. And he just kept <laughs> I'm already repeating it until it went to a commercial. And it's like, oh, Flair's definitely back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already fired. Fire me. Ric Flair and his tuxedo. Wild stuff. <laughs> Wild stuff. Um, the referee at one point, when the guys were you know running the ropes, they, the referee did a drop down. To get yeah. out of the way at one point. It was weird. We get out of the here? way. What are we doing Why here? are you there? Why that, are you on the ground right now? Was that Billy Silverman? That, I don't know who that was. Uh, unbelievable. Get up. <laughs> what are you doing? It's weird. It was really weird. Uh, at the, Near the end of the match, Alex Wright mistakenly ran into Disco Inferno's knee. Oh, no. Which opened the door for British Bulldog to hit a power slam. For the win, giving himself and Jim Neidhart a victory in the opening match of Fall Broad, Yay. 1998. Fine match. It was fine, fine. yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. It was fine. It's, uh, it's a TV match yeah. that probably shouldn't have been on a pay-per-view. And I'm going to say that yeah. about a few segments <laughs> on the show. They're like, oh, that was a TV segment. This should have stayed on well, the Thunder. Well, it was Fall Brawl on TV. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh boy, you and those people who say that you know damn well, you know what I mean. <laughs> all right, you know what I mean. And why are you acting so silly all of a sudden? <laughs> I will say it's you could pin, pinpoint maybe one or two of the bumps that Bulldog took. Uh, you know, he does say he originally injured his back at this during this match because of the trap door. And I will say, I did notice a lot of people taking bumps. In that ring, in that specific ring, um, I don't know if they had you know two trap doors in both rings, or if it was just one ring that had the trap door. But uh, you know, he was apparently the only one that got seriously injured, and he worked after this. It, w- it wouldn't be until he was hospitalized with that back injury. Uh, I forget how for long into the future from here, but you know, he went to work and he wrestled after he got this back injury. You could see he kind of. I don't remember if it was Alex Wright or Disco Inferno and he tried to pick him up for a running power slam and he just could not get him up. And so I figure like maybe that exacerbated a lot of things too with his back injury. I mean, maybe he like initially banged it, but then like, you know, trying to lift and you could just see like he was trying everything not to just have to put them down again and lift them up again. Just he wanted to put all that, like he was struggling, but he finally got him up for the power slam. It's just, it's it's tough to watch knowing that that's the match where he initially got his back injury, and uh, yeah, man, it was just uh, that's the part I don't like about this match specifically. It's just why is there a trap door in the damn ring, dude? Like, just yeah, have was that warrior. Ever explained? Was that for the warrior? Yeah, it was for the warrior. Oh but like, why not just have him go under the ring and come for that particular episode or that particular show? You have space in between the rings. Just come up through. That space in between the rings instead of the actual mat. I I, I, I don't understand. And I'll, it'll come up in the main event, too, because I did note this. There's room there. You know, you see people down in between the rings every friggin' War Games match. You don't need a trap door for this specific event because you, you already have that space where he can hide So and come out from. Like, you don't need a door on the mat. So, I, 
I don't understand why they did it for this specific show. Um, but yeah, that's there was no need for it. And it messed Bulldog's career up a little bit. He did wind up coming back from that, thankfully. But, uh, you know, things I read, you know, they attributed this back injury to the drug problem that Bulldog would eventually have that would they think eventually contributed to the end of his life, which is a shame. That is a shame. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the opening match on Fall Brawl in 1998. British Bulldog and Jim Nathard are your winners. We move on. We're backstage with Mean Gene Oakland, who runs into Scott Steiner, who he's trying to look for a way out of this match against his brother Rick Steiner. Again. So he's brought a doctor's note that said he could not wrestle against his brother <laughs> later on that night. And Scott Steiner, who, mind you, is massive, massive human being, right? Massive arms. Flexes his arm is, what is it, 59 <laughs> inches or whatever it is, and points to this tiny-ass <laughs> Band-Aid on his arm. It's like, see, I'm hurt. This Band-Aid is no bigger than one of the veins in his arm. <clears throat> this is like a highlight of WCW at the time. This is enjoyable. And that made me laugh. That was kind of funny. Right? <laughs> so he he got he has this note and he's like, Look, I'm out tonight. JJ Dillon comes up. He's like, I don't give a damn about your phony note. And it's <laughs> tore it up right in front of Scott Steiner's face into pieces. Threw it in the air. And said, Look, bro. If you don't participate in this match against your brother tonight, you are banned from WCW for life. I did the hand sign there. <laughs> for life. J.J. Dillon should have did it too. He should have. He would have made that promo like a million times, times better. better. Yeah. <laughs> right? So now Scott Steiner and Buff Bagwell are wondering if they the can talk is- some sense into J.J. Dillon. They walk right. with him down the hall and go, wait, no, they, come back. They're like picking up the pieces of the right. which cracks me up. <laughs> like, what are they going to do, man? Like, that's the beauty of wrestling characters that, you know, when they're the heel and then the face gets one up on them and they act like that, that's great pro wrestling. And I love the way they acted in that specific segment. Yeah, that was pretty funny, yeah. including the tiny-ass Band-Aid. Right. Like, Scott I think Steiner's at this arms. point, Scott Snyder, like, Beating up J.J. Dillon before, but now all of a sudden he ripped up a letter. He's like, no, no. Like, he doesn't attack him right there. He's just like, no, no. Like, the, the letter. Like, what no. are you doing? No. <laughs> my doctor's no. <laughs> Not my doctor's no. No. But we move on from that. It is now time for the main event of the <laughs> evening. Hell yeah. World Heavyweight Champion Goldberg defending his title against World TV Champion Chris Jericho. Not even, not even uh, advertised. How about that? Unbelievable and unadvertised unification match. <laughs> right? So now it's time. Jericho, he's the first one out. He's walking with his security <laughs> through backstage. Another heel being great. Another great part of WCW at this time. Jericho's walking around like Goldberg, <laughs> but he goes the wrong way. He almost leaves the arena. <laughs> Look. Jericho has bad ideas these days, right? He has some bad ideas. But he also has yeah. some good ones. Like, there's nobody that told him to do this. Right. He came up with that himself. That's a no great idea. Imitating Goldberg's entrance was hysterical with two normal-looking people as, his, as right. his bodyguards. And then he go, he can't find the ring. 
is going the wrong well, he direction. Just came out like he talked to Gene earlier. Oh man! Like he he was just there. He was just at the entrance, and now he can't find it because he's trying to, you know, one up Goldberg, and then he just loses his way, and that's the funniest part to me. It's like, dude, you were just at the entrance like a half hour ago, and now you can't find it because you're you're trying to be Goldberg. It just cracks me up. Yeah, it's wild stuff. It's wild stuff. That's pretty funny though. Uh, but. <laughs> So Jericho does his entrance. He comes out. He's angry. He's got. He doesn't have to the big pyro like Goldberg. The walls of Jericho theme, by the way, forever. Right. That too. The (laughs) WWF Jericho theme again. Um, But you know, Jericho does his thing. He's got little pyro. He doesn't like it. He's he's angry. Okay, because his pyro wasn't big enough. That's great too. (laughs) And then he gets into the ring, and then Goldberg's music hits, and it's like, oh. Okay, maybe he is coming out. Then we just, you know, look around the arena. We don't see backstage like we usually do when we see Goldberg about to, you know, whoop some ass in the ring. He's walking. You can see him walking through the hallways. Not this time. We see the big, uh, you know, all the sparklers and the pyro goes off. And once the pyro goes off, the man standing in the pyro was not Bill Goldberg. It was not even Dwayne Gill. It was another guy. Pretending to be Goldberg. A guy dressed like Goldberg. What is that? What has happened to Goldberg? Wow. I smell sham. Yeah, I smell I smell I'm not talking about the Pharaohs. Yeah, and I smell Jericho being involved in this. Oh. Man, I'm Smart. Sorry. I, I know you were awaiting the arrival of the man himself. And obviously the fans standing here were as well. <laughs> Just think some poor goon up in the cheap seats without his glasses. Thinks that's Goldberg. No. <laughs> this is this, this, it would take three of these guys wow. to Goldberg. I don't think anyone. Three of this guy. This, this sawed-off guy from Goldberg. That's ten characters. Sawed-off guy. Ten characters. Well, fans, I once again I apologize. We this is this is once again another disgrace at the another hands disgrace. of Jerishmo. 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 <laughs> I'm supposed to say Jerishmuck. <laughs> Call him well, Jerry Schmo. Uh, it's kind of a rhyme. It's kind of rhyme, you know. Jericho. I understand. Yeah, it's still yeah. really funny though. Jerry it Schmo. Is. It is. Um. <laughs> why did this happen on pay per view? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I think maybe they thought this would eventually lead to a pay per view match, but it it obviously didn't. Um. Bischoff there's, okay there's no need I, for I the bait and switch though on pay-per-view bro people paying yeah, money for this i know, I know. do I, the bait and switch on nitro I mean, yeah i mean that's it's still funny but also you're right it's pay-per-view in 1998 people are still paying 30 dollars a month for for these shows i i don't think goldberg was ever advertised so that's probably why they were like well i mean it's not like you ordered the show to watch goldberg so they that's technically fair. got you there i guess but it's still weird. It is. 
It's still kind of weird for a pay-per-view. Right. Uh, by the way, again, it's Goldberg impersonator, not Dwayne Gill. Oh. Well, just some other guy. Uh, but Dwayne Gill should be Goldberg for life. Gilberg. Gilberg. Just a few more months before he comes back. Bro. As Gilberg. Well, he came back as Dwayne Gill at Survivor Series a couple months later, but then he became Gilberg, thinking like a month or two after that. So Gilberg <laughs> is never not funny. It's always funny. This guy, was, he did his thing. He it's did all right, face. but Gilberg, oh my God. When they had the little, little literal sparklers Sparkler. out for Gilberg, yeah. they hold them up, then they spray him down with the X-Fi extinguisher. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. This. When he first debuted, was like, oh, he's like 2-0 and in competition now. What a great record. 3-0 for Gilberg. Man. I'm not usually here for, like, the uh, the petty stuff like that. But, like, that was really well done, though. It was really funny. So I can't be that mad at it. Especially because um, they were, like, number one. And it's not, like, people would change the channel to watch Gilberg um, when Gilberg came on. It was like they either didn't watch it or they watched it and loved it. You know? Right. So... Jericho beat this fake Goldberg in a short match. Oh, bummer. And I wrote down, that was a TV segment. That shouldn't have been a match. <laughs> Another. That's a TV segment. TV segment, yeah. Uh, there was also a sign in the crowd that said, Jericho is a bad mamma jamma. That's weird. That's a weird sign. There was weird also another sign Jericho. in the crowd. Did you see uh, this one? Where the white women at? <laughs> you see that one? <laughs> That's for the... Uh, I don't know, man. I did not see that. I don't know who that's for. I, just, I was going to throw someone under the bus. I'm not. <clears throat> I'm not. I'm just going to say I don't know who that was for. Yeah. Not for me. I'm married. <laughs> so I don't know who that was for. Uh, where the white women at? What? It was a white dude holding it up. And I, I that was like no other thing was written on it. Just where the so, white women at? So he he racist? What's going on? Probably you know, like yeah. white women. <laughs> well, they are in North Carolina, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess, yeah. But moving on, <laughs> we're now backstage again we're with Lee Marshall, who is interviewing Rick Steiner in the internet on, position <laughs> at the internet position with, with their internet site. <laughs> Which these are like, really words that were used by them. <laughs> yeah, me. internet position like. In 2022, there is no such thing as an internet position. The whole planet damn near has internet. <laughs> Obviously, there are other there are places in this world, including in this country, that doesn't have great cell service, good uh, Wi-Fi or broadband or whatever you want to call it. No internet. But pretty much everywhere you go, you, you can use the internet, at least in this country, damn near. And to think that, like, you had the internet position. This is the only place for the internet <laughs> in the whole building. This is the internet place. Not anywhere else. It's just it's just really funny. It's just really funny. <clears throat> uh, I doubt the audio worked well on this too. Because didn't you say you ordered something like this for WCW, and it this sounded terrible? But um, see, this is the thing. I I don't know. They can't. I don't think they can hear the person. I think they just they're in like a chat room, and the typer is typing their answers. Like I don't know if they can uh. hear the audio. But, um, but they had like mics. They didn't have like headsets. But I don't on? think I don't know if this was. Did they say there was like audio only available? I don't I know. I what I ordered was in January '98, um, an actual house show that was advertised as audio only. Um, 
no TV, no cameras would be there. Um, but you can purchase the audio. I think it was like ten bucks, and uh, you can listen to it. And it was just, it was too early for the internet, I guess, because I I heard like a little like bits and pieces, but eventually it just stopped working, so I couldn't hear anything. Um, I don't remember if my mom got a refund back. I know she probably wanted one. I mean, ten dollars wasn't just you know throwaway money back then, especially when it could. Uh, fill your car up with gas, like completely full. You could use ten dollars to completely fill your tank. Um, she wasn't happy about that. I, I don't remember if she got a refund, but yeah, I just I was able to hear like a little bit in the beginning of this event, <laughs> but then it just crapped out. So, How many stories do you have of you ordering something you weren't supposed to order? Uh, like three or four. But three that, or this, four. This, one, this wasn't supposed to. Like my mom ordered this. Oh, so um, I don't remember like Super Brawl 97 Piper Hogan for the title February that I I don't remember ordering that at all. I had a call. You had but a call. Did. Like, I, I didn't have a button that I could press. that would like order it. So oh, I yeah, remember turning it on had to call the cable company. Oh, yeah. Satellite provider to order right. pay-per-views back then. And I would hit the button. I would always put on I, sometimes we would have like a five minute preview. So I would like watch the first five minutes of a, oh, a show. Yeah. I, I would always watch this, that and hope they would just forget. Yeah, no, and listen, that's I swear that's what happened with me. Uh, this particular Super Bowl show where I turned it on, and unless my parents like ordered it without me knowing as like a surprise, um, but they didn't tell me that. They didn't say that. I was watching it, and it was like 10, 15 minutes, uh, 20 minutes gone by. I go downstairs, I'm like, listen. The pay-per-view is still on. I did not order it. You could check the phone <laughs> bill. I was like, you could check the phone bill for any calls that were made. I did not order it. But I'm watching it, this show. But it's still on, so can I watch it? And, you know, they said, okay. Like, But if it goes off, then go back in your room or something like that. Um, <laughs> so either they ordered it and didn't tell me as a surprise or something, um, or it was just really – I don't remember if it was on the cable bill then. And then I think there was, like, another one that um, – I watched that. I don't remember ordering. It was around okay. that time period, like 96 or 97. Uh, 98, I definitely ordered it um, with, you know, my mom's blessing. You know, I didn't, I didn't even do like the 1-900 hotline numbers, you know, that so many kids would do. They're like, oh, did you call the hotline? I'm like, no, like I don't do that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care about the hotline. I never cared about the hotline, no matter how much – WCW hyped it up or WWF hyped it up. I never cared about calling the hotline, so I never did that. But mm. yeah, I, I feel like I wouldn't have survived multiple instances of this. I think one time would have been enough for me to almost get murdered and be like, "I'm never doing that again." Well, I mean, I didn't. I I I don't call. I don't use the phone, so I don't know how I would have done it. Technology wasn't there where I could just press a button and order something at that point. Mm. So it was just, what it was. Just Maybe magic. it was an error by the cable company. and Multiple errors. My parent, parents would be like, what the hell? I was like, dude, I don't. Do you really think I. Maybe they thought I was lying and I really did use the phone and order stuff. But it's like they would know if a kid's on the phone, you know, ordering something too. My voice wasn't, you know, deep adult voice back then, you know. I'm like, I want to order WSW Super Raw, please. Like, come <laughs> right. on. Like, they, Nobody's they listening to this kid. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, all right, little, little, little Charlie, what you, what, how, you got any money? 
Oh, is this coming out of mom's tab? Just bill me. <laughs> I'd like to order the entire <laughs> broadcast of Far Brawl. You know what always made me laugh is when it's like, you know, Gorilla Monsoon, Top Hat and Girl, call your local cable company and tell them you want to be a part of this extravaganza. So, like, what if you call and you're like, I want to be a part of that WWF extravaganza tonight and actually use those words to order it? It'll make me laugh. They'll be like, that'd sure be $30. <laughs> I'm like, oh, they didn't tell me that. <laughs> That'll be $30. Please. They, they didn't tell me that on TV. What the hell? They just said call this number to order it. <laughs> you mean I got to pay? Get hey, out of here. <laughs> right, moving on from you messing <laughs> up the cable bill multiple times. <laughs> where we now have a video. Oh. We're backstage from earlier today with... Professor Mike Tanay, who was interviewing Scott and Steve Armstrong. Of course, they are members of the famous Armstrong family, Patriarch, uh, Bullet Bob Armstrong, of course, Road Dogs in WWE, you know, Brian, that's Brian Armstrong. Uh, but during the middle of Steve and Scott's interview, here comes Ernest the Cat Miller, who just walks up and starts cussing everybody out because he said he should be the one that's being interviewed. Right? And they're like, look, man, we don't get interview time very often. Can you right. chill? Like, this is our chance. Can you relax? And Ernest Miller was like, all right, man, I got you. Whatever, you know, I'll get out of here. But then he turned right around and started whooping everybody's ass. He's like, I'm going to show you all some class today. Mink, mink, mink. <laughs> he kicked somebody in the face with his bare foot. That's just, that was just that was just a... A Sunday afternoon for Ernest Catmiller. He was he was he was, he was badass, right? Because he legitimately won multiple karate championships, which is why it's not outside the realm of possibility for Ernest Catmiller to be whooping everybody's ass like he's Chuck Norris, <laughs> or because he's black, it'd be like Jim Kelly or something like that, or Dolomite maybe. I don't know. Either way, he's whooping a lot of he's he was whooping a lot of ass, right? And then out of nowhere during this confrontation. Norman Smiley rolls up. Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? What's your problem? And it's like, okay. And now we have a match between these two. It's <laughs> yeah. on pay per view. We got the takes. brothers against each other. They should be teaming up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The brother men taking on mm. the other men. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But they got my brothers fighting each other like the crabs in the barrel. See? It'd be your own people. Turn us against each other. That ain't right. <laughs> I'm getting my real Hotep vibe now, Nick. <clears throat> In case Go you ahead. didn't know. Go ahead. All right. This is your show, too. Because <laughs> we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. All right. But yeah, the brothers. Ain't, ain't they brothers? Work together. No, they got to fight each other. And here we are, out of nowhere, on pay per view. It is Norman Smiley. Versus Ernest and Cap Miller. You would think that WCW had as many stars as they had. They'd be able to announce a full card of matches before a pay-per-view. However, that's not the case. Because here we are. Right? We come out. He got Norman Smiley in his little trunks. I say magic on the back. And that's in reference to his name in Mexico, which was Black Magic. Right? Norman Smiley was... A huge star in Mexico. It's probably getting all the hoes in Mexico, too. Let's not discount that. I don't know if he's married or not, but if he wasn't back then, 
Norman Smiley was probably racking up. He was a three-time CMLL champion back in the day. Mm. Okay? Multiple times he won the CMLL championship. I think, well, at least one, at least once. I, read, I think I read my notes wrong. He won it maybe just once. Either way, he won the damn title. He was a big deal over there. Also a big deal, Ernest the Cat Miller, who gets on the mic before the match. And is like, look, man, <laughs> I am a three-time karate champion. I whoop ass for a living. I do this for fun. All right? This ain't nothing. That's true. He really did win titles in karate as recently uh, uh, you know at, at, up to this point we're in 1998 he won titles as recently as 1996 okay then i found a story from wwe.com that said he was in football training camps too at one point oh wow which i did not know that i did not right i did not know that but okay but he's also a he can, he's willing to compromise he's like look man i will bass that's what i do but because you my brother, and I appreciate Ernest Miller for doing this, right? He extended the olive branch to his brother. <clears throat> he said, look, because we both brothers, I'm going to give you a chance to leave with your, with your reputation and your body intact. And he said, I'm going to turn around, and I'm going to count to five. And if you're, not, if you're still here, I'm going to tune your ass up. <laughs> Ernest Miller turned around, started counting. What did Smiley do? Turn this man around and punch him in the face. Mm-mm. So much for being brothers, man. They really do be your own people. <clears throat> it really do be your own people. The damn shame. I'm sad. To, I'm sad to talk about it. I'm sad to see my people go through this like this. It's a trying time in black wrestling history. All right, it's a trying time to see this happen. Okay. Back to Norman Smiley, though. I forgot to mention that he is also uh, a coach at the WWE Performance Center. So he's trained. I think he's trained pretty much everybody there. Like I think he's he does a beginners class. So anybody that comes through Performance Center, they probably run into Norman Smiley at some point. They've learned something from Norman Smiley at some point. So obviously, it's you know it goes without saying to say that he has uh, quite the influence on today's current wrestling not just obviously in wwe but there are people in wwe who were no longer there they're in AEW, they're elsewhere they're in new japan whatever and they learned a little something something from black magic norman smiley i'm not gonna call him screaming norman smiley it's black magic all right uh but with all that even though norman smiley punched his brother in the face ernest a cat miller he won the match by hitting smiley with a fantastic looking kick that Norman Smiley so like he died. <laughs> like he went down like a like a in a heap after getting that kick. But at the end of the day, again, Ernest the Cat Miller said he, what he was going to do. Like, look, man, you still here? You gonna you gonna get you gonna get dealt with? You gonna get this work? And he got that work. He learned that day. Ernest the Cat Miller ain't nothing to play with. So Ernest the Cat Miller is your winner. Did you have any thoughts about this match before we move on? I like the fact that it looked like they messed up the finish, and then they're like, no, no, we're going to do it again. And they, they did it again, and Miller hit him pretty good the second time. So um, I like that. You know, like, it's an undercard match, but, like, I, I mean, you have a reason for everything happening, right? You know, you don't have to be like, why the hell is this match happening? They give you a reason to, you know, why this match is happening. And even though you might not care about Ernest Miller at this point, or you might not care about Norman Smiley, but at least they gave you a reason. 
And I underrated both of these guys the, this entire era in WCW, like 98, 99, 2000 even when they were still there. I just, I never like cared much. I think I started finding like Ernest Miller funny when he was like commissioner, but I was kind of mad because he was one of the most entertaining aspects of WCW. And I hated everything entertaining in WCW because it was like, <laughs> I felt what? like they were taken away from WWF, you know, like, because I was so pro WWF. So like anything Ernest good Cat in WCW. hysterical though, man. He's I great. know, but that's the thing. Like I appreciated it after the fact. So now like when I go back and watch things, I like appreciate it more. And this is one of those things where I think I appreciate it more because Ernest Miller is like all over the first half of this pay-per-view. It's like right, he's, he's in, in the opening, opening segment <laughs> on a show, show the, of war games. He's yeah. with DDP and Lex Luger and Sting <laughs> and Hogan, all these big names in this right. match. And the first right. wrestler we see on the show is Ernest Miller. <laughs> now, I don't know. And no one else. Like, I guess this is when he started turning heel. Um, I don't remember exactly the timeline, but he wasn't with Glacier anymore. Like, he dumped that. So he was on his own now, and he didn't have any sidekicks or anything. So this is Ernest Miller. Yeah, plenty of sidekicks. building his. No, he was giving out plenty. Resume. He was giving them out, though. Yeah, he was, he was giving was. out sidekicks. He wasn't, he, he wasn't <laughs> keeping sidekicks. He was giving them out, dishing them out to people like Norman Smiley. <laughs> Here's a sidekick for you, and you get a sidekick, and you get a sidekick. Or as Gorilla Monsoon would say, a crescent kick. But no, right? <laughs> Ernest Miller, sidekick All to the over face. The show. All over the show. Beating up the Armstrongs, getting into arguments, and then taking Norman Smiley to school. How about that? So, right. Good for him. Good but for Ernest the Cat Miller. Underappreciated talent. A little upset I didn't appreciate you know, the greatness of certain things in WCW when they were you know, on their way down because I was just too pro WWF to appreciate a lot of the good things in WCW. And Ernest Miller was definitely one of those. Yeah, underappreciated talent, yes. yeah, Ernest Miller. Uh, especially because he could talk. I mean, maybe, I don't yeah, know, you know, yeah. how people would rank him as a worker or whatever, but he could talk. He had charisma. And he had a legitimate background in karate. Right. So you would think that, that, that all those can, ingredients... Yeah, and he, like transferred to pro wrestling, which is really... Different, but in some ways similar, and he just looked like he belonged from day one. You just would think with somebody with all those, with all that, um, all those feathers in his cap and all those tools, you know, that he could have been, he would have been a bigger star, but mm -hmm. he, he went to WCW, so <laughs> uh, it just wasn't going to work. But hey, he had a good career though, and like Ernest Miller, we're still talking about him to this day because right. he did leave a mark. He, you know, he he left an impact. You know, uh, an impact somewhat. You know, people remember Ernest Miller, even though, uh, you know, he didn't draw the biggest houses in the world, nothing like that. But, you know, I liked Ernest Miller. He was great. And he made yeah. his way to WWE at some point. He was an announcer for WWE for, yeah. for a long time. Yeah. I remember, I think he used to call matches on Velocity way yeah, back in the was, day. Uh, so He was even in segments with Sable and Vince McMahon and stuff. So, I mean, he right. had his place in WWE too. He did his thing. So shout out to Ernest Miller. Uh, <laughs> he's telling people, look, if you're still here in five seconds, I'm going to whoop your ass. <laughs> like, you better leave. Backing up his word. And he did. He whooped some <laughs> ass. So, But we move on. You get a video package running down the history of the rivalry between Rick and Scott Steiner. Because that is our next match. It is the Steiners exploding. <laughs> Scott Steiner versus Rick Steiner. Right? My God. Finally. Years in the making that these two guys finally get to face each other one-on-one. -on -one. 
Scott Steiner is the first one. Now he comes out with Buff Bagwell. They're both members of the New World Order. And both of these men are totally different from who they were the last time we saw them on this here show, uh, The Straight Shooters, on our last episode, which was <laughs> Wrestle War 1992, where we got Scott Steiner. He's with his brother Rick Steiner. He's got the mullet. Right. He's got the singlet. Yeah. Classic Scott Steiner. But then we got... Not Buff Bagwell. We got Marcus Alexander Bagwell back then. He's a high flyer and he's a baby face and he's losing to Johnny Flamingo, who also looks ridiculous and is on this show as a totally different right. person. Right. <clears throat> all right. However, you know what's crazy? It's only six years apart. I mean, six that. years can be a lifetime. But like, wrestling, you think though. about now versus six years ago. Six years ago was only 2016. Yeah, and and. People don't haven't drastically changed like some of the bigger names like Dolph Ziggler right. still Dolph Ziggler, <laughs> AJ Styles still AJ Styles, you know, Randy Orton still Randy Orton, yeah. Roman Reigns has had a dramatic change. Yeah, but he looks obviously. the same. You know, he grew a beard finally and actually looks. I'm, you know, when people look good in beards, you gotta have it. You can't just like have a goatee. If you look good in a beard, you gotta have that as part of your look. I don't know, that's but, just you me, know how I feel. But, there's a lot of guys rocking beards, hiding their ugly faces. <laughs> I'm not one of them. I got a beard, but I'm cute. Elias is definitely one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to call him out. I wasn't going to call nobody out by a name. Well, but... that's not his real name, right? <laughs> oh. No, we they don't know who I'm talking about. We know who I you're talking, talking about. I'm talking about Eddie Elias. Eddie Elias. <laughs> Patrick Elias. All I'm Elias. saying is beards are like makeup for men. Eliash. All right? Like... I'm the ex- I, I look like I said I'm cute underneath my beard, so I don't necessarily need it. <laughs> I, I like it mine. <laughs> and, and enhances me. But uh, some def- guys they be ugly under them beards. They need Something. them. They sh- then they shave them. Women be like, oh my god, where'd that beard go? Dude, I remember I shaved and I walked into my ex girlfriend's place of work and she looked at me like, oh, <laughs> that put was it back. Good. That was not good. Where'd it go? I think she wanted to be like, yo, come back in like two or three weeks. Right. Draw <laughs> it's like it on. all back. <laughs> get, get, where's the magic marker? I'm going to draw it on your face right now. Where'd it go? Tell me, man. I'll never forget the look she gave me. I was like, oh, man, what did I do? Like, she didn't even <laughs> say anything. She just, the look, I was like, oh, no, what have I done? She was like, damn, homeboy down bad now. Look. You guys, Listen, you know man, who you are. She had a point. She had a point. You guys know who you are. <laughs> All right, you know you hiding your ugly face under that beard. <laughs> All right, I know what tricks you up to there. Like I said, I like I said again. Let me reiterate, I'm cute, so I don't need a beard. Some guys they yeah, need. Maybe it. say it the third or fourth time. Go ahead. I might just to reiterate. I don't need it. <laughs> but a lot of guys out there do. They be looking ugly. U G L Y without an alibi. You ever watch uh, You Bet Your Life with Jay Leno on Fox no. before SmackDown? No. Obviously, these are also it's like I a mean, game hope, show. Let's hope Jay Leno is recovering. Yeah, well. he yeah, had a bad accident like a couple is. days ago. Seems like uh, he is. Um, former uh, Road Wild participant <laughs> Jay Leno <laughs> yeah. earlier this year in 1998. Uh, right. but yeah, yeah, just the previous month. Oh yeah, what right? we're talking about. Um, Crazy stuff. Yeah, no, I, show, I do they, not watch this show. Yeah, it's it comes on before SmackDown. Uh, obviously, these episodes are taped and well in advance, so it's on right now. I just I turned it on because you know it's seven thirty right now, so obviously it's going to come on while we're recording. 
and uh, it just made me think about you know yeah hopefully he's doing well um, I don't know him personally but I can't imagine <laughs> that being engulfed in flames from one of your cars and is a good feeling so I, I hope he's recovering it seems like he's recovering from everything where uh, any news that has filtered out the last week uh, from his specific uh, incident uh, seems like he's in good spirits so but yeah, former, like you said, WCW Road Wild <laughs> participant. Main, main event, right? Main event, yeah. Like headline of wrestling pay per view. P- pretty sure he won. That sounds about right. I don't know how Jalen will lose. True. True. You know, but yeah, main event. Wild stuff. Wild yeah. stuff that was happening in WCW in 1998, <laughs> including Rick and Scott Steiner going against each other mm. with Bagwell at ringside and overalls. So <laughs> this look, by the way, did you you remember that look that um, we talked about like dying hair earlier that I was kind of in around this time? Guys like dying their hair. That Dr. Seuss type hat that Buff Bagwell was wearing. You remember a lot of people wearing those around that time of that period? Uh, maybe in a movie had, or two, okay. but I don't really vividly remember people walking around in the streets with those. No, <laughs> well, that's not what so I recall. His was not a my hood, different. at least. His not in my like, hood. <laughs> Nobody's wearing the uh, the Abe Lincoln top hat in my hood. <laughs> not in Southwest Philly. That's uh, um, that's so. Like I said, maybe I in a movie say. or something like that. Obviously, I'm old. I'm only like nine, so I wasn't yeah. out in the bars and the clubs yet. <laughs> you know, maybe. <laughs> And the bars and the clubs is totally different. Maybe it was Top Hat Central. It looked like Peaky Blinders around there. I don't know. Well, so this was a little different. I, I, it just brought me back to, like, the Dr. Seuss type hats. Now, do you remember that fad where, like, they were Dr. Seuss type hats? And there, it it's was a like... a Dr. Seuss type hat. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like... Cat in a hat? Or like, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. R- red and white, though? Or like... No, like, just different uh, designs, <laughs> but they were... They looked like that. Like they, they were, were tall, hats, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, they were tall. They had like the, you know, the they brim, like and then just tall. The hats and, that Daniel Day Lewis is wearing in Gangs in New York. I don't That's know what the hell that is, but what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> he immediately <laughs> shot that. Down. I don't know what the hell that is, but I'm gonna move on from that. I don't know what the hell he talking about. Well, the, so I'm were, not into any gangs, <laughs> and I'm not from New York. Well, <laughs> so Bob's hat was like. You described it like a top hat. It looked stiff a little bit. These Dr. Seuss type hats were, you know, like uh, very soft. Well, I call them material. Dr. Seuss type hats. They're just top hats. That's what I, I call them. I don't know. I don't know. Because I had a bunch of them, okay? <laughs> you had a what? No, you did not. And they were like have. wrestling. Like they were Buff so in hats. that I had an Austin 316. What? Doc top hat no, i don't have any not. i wish i no. took pictures wait wait, wait i wait, wish wait. i still had it but i don't anymore time out but- time out time out time out time out time out hold up let me call let me do the uh the, the basketball signal for time out real quick okay you mean to tell me from one that you own the top hat if you if so, you call like, look, the dr I'm not, type hat it's a top hat then yeah you keep calling doctors <laughs> <laughs> that's what i call them what How, what when I think cat in the hat, I'm thinking a hat that's like super tall and is red it, and white like a barbershop yeah, pole. So it's super tall. It's just not red and white. It's like it has the Austin 316 on it. It's super tall. Look, I'm in the hats, though. I got hats. I got like some okay. fly hats, you know, okay. some fly fedora type hats. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not here to judge. I just didn't know that 
Teenage Nick was rocking top hats in 1990. I, I wasn't like wearing specifically, them out. It, it was more like a collectible. Specifically, thing, though, a Steve Austin top hat. Why would that even be a thing? Listen, man. Steve Austin wasn't known for his top hats. He wasn't known no. to be dapper. Do they? Wearing, like any, wrestling was so hot that you could buy like anything wrestling related. Apparently, anything, anything. even stuff that didn't make any sense. Exactly. And, like license plates, you know, like. Uh, Pencils, like stuff that you just don't uh, think that wrestling is like merchandise is going to be on. Like you just think, what shirts, you know, pants, maybe denim jackets, you know, jackets, but not top hats, sunglasses, like these things. It was everywhere. Right? It was just everywhere, and I'm pretty sure I got it. Like, was it everywhere? It I was. Don't know, man, where, where? In what? 1998, it absolutely was. I guess you have a better memory than I do. I just I didn't wear remember. it out. I mean, I wasn't gonna wear an Austin 316 Dr. Seuss hat out in public, but I, I got it because it I was just, cool. Again, at least in my hood, <laughs> I don't remember remember people wearing top hats of any kind. Steve Austin. <laughs> Uh, or anything. Fubu well, anyone, definitely wasn't any Fubu top hats. If anyone wrestling or wrestling, oh my god, I'm I can't believe, I'm flubbing my words here. If anyone listening remembers what I'm talking about, just uh, you know, tweet at us at the Shooters Pod or okay at underscore Picone on M Johnson. Just when we don't get so any I'm tweets, going, don't be surprised. Now I'm I'm mad because I never took pictures of these, and I had more than one. I'm pretty Nick, sure I had a WC, old school WCW one. Nick, don't be upset like, about that, bro. That's probably for the better. You don't have any visual evidence. Eh, of I mean, it'd be, fun, it'd be fun to share if I did have All visual right. evidence, but um, <laughs> I pretty, I'm assuming I just threw them out at some point. But I had, I don't know how many I necessarily had, but they were all like pretty much wrestling related. I might have had like a Phillies or Eagles one here and there, or a Flyers what? one, but um, they were in, man. They were the thing. They were in, oh, man. Look, absolutely, they were in. I need to see visual evidence of some sort. I said these hats were in I'll, style. I'm gonna Google. <laughs> it's I'm not just, like people Steve occasionally wore these out. I believe that the Stone Cold hat exists. I'm just Steve saying, Austin, Dr. Seuss type hat. <laughs> how much do people actually wear these? Like, if occasionally people would wear these to the club or something, that's one thing. But yeah, like people was wearing it to the grocery store. People was going to school in them. Maybe again. We were, we were from different places, so maybe, my, again, my hood, we had FUBU, and we had, uh, like, Fitteds was just becoming popular in, like, 98, and, and like, guest jeans, like, <laughs> but not not top hats, no, no. I see, I see um, you know, some, like, an Austin top hat, but it's not the one I had, so, like, I, perhaps I'll continue my search on Google and maybe, like, text you one when I find it that looks similar to the one I had, but... Yeah, man, they were everywhere, everywhere. And obviously, you know, the local sports teams, they would always have every kind of merchandise available around here. But then wrestling, when it became so big, you go to the Echelon Mall at Hall of Heroes, they had literally everything. I see the hat now that you're talking about. These hats were everywhere. These are like souvenir type hats. These aren't hats you wear like for fashion. (laughs) Or a diner or anything like that. No, no, no. They're still bad. (laughs) Oh, absolutely, but yes, yes. <laughs> not the type that you kind of like wear to look cool. Right. These are just hats that right. you just wear right. to rep your guy at the wrestling show and nowhere there else. You go. There you go. And nowhere else. But all this to say, the hat Buff Bagwell wore reminded me of this time period. And uh, 
it just made me laugh. Like he's wearing it with overalls. Like he said, overalls. Like that was Buff's look, and he like he kind of pulled it off. I don't know if he pulled it off. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what the else? Overalls. I don't know about the overalls. I don't know. All right. I didn't know he was Phineas I Godwin all of a sudden. <laughs> He's a pig farmer from Arkansas. I did not know that. So there's that. Um, <laughs> this match doesn't last very long. <laughs> uh, but before that, let me say this one thing real quick about Mike Tanay, who said that the Standard Brothers had tag team title reigns and all over the place mm. and said they were, the, you know, they won titles in WCW and they won they were two-time champions in another U.S.-based promotion. Oh. And, of course, that promotion was WWF. Oh. <laughs> another U.S.-based promotion. U.S.-based. The World Wrestling Federation? ECW? We all know about it. Like ECW was there. So. Yeah, I don't think they were, that's what they were talking about. <laughs> um, but, again, this match did not last very long, despite Rick Steiner being hella over. Yeah, okay. man, this had a lot of heat. Because it's like people wanted to see Scott and Rick go at it years in the making, right? Yeah. And it gets ruined very early when mm. Rick Steiner grabs Buff Bagwell's neck, mm. right? He then Buff Bagwell pretends that he can't has no feeling in his back and he, he he's paralyzed damn near. And he lies on the ground. Oh my neck! Call my mom! Somebody call my mama! That's Ernest Miller's line. <laughs> I was gonna say Ernest Miller came out and be like, "What? <laughs> hey, what you talking about? Willis? Kick him right in the face? What you talking about, Buff?" Right, and he would kick him right dead in his face, <laughs> front kick to the face, pow, right in the kisser. Okay, so Buff Bagwell looks like he's had he has a severe neck injury now, and medical personnel come out and everything. Right, they bring out the gurneys. This is in the middle of the match. The match is off. Yeah, <laughs> and Tony Schiavone's apologizing. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, yep, sorry, folks, this is over. Right, we just grinded this much anticipated match to a halt you'll find out eventually it was for no reason oh, no. okay so then now they wheel bagwell backstage right well so <coughs> i want to play this i have a clip of rick steiner basically yelling to buff he better not be lying it cracks me up. Well, right now the producers in the back are trying to, to uh... <laughs> No. It's, it's a it's a very tough thing to do. You want to get better be hurt. You better be hurt. That sound like I never caught that the first time I watched this and watching this for the podcast. I'm cracking up because it's like you better be paralyzed, you son of a bitch. <laughs> That's basically what Rick Snyder is saying. Pretty much. That sounds like a black mom. Like, oh, you hurt. You better be hurt. We're not going to the hospital otherwise. That thing about black people, we don't like going to the hospital for a variety of reasons. One of one among them is racism, but also uh, just because we just don't like hospitals, I guess. And every time you ask any black parent, like, "Look, don't be out here getting hurt. We ain't going to nobody's hospital. It's always somebody's hospital too. It's not, we're not going to a hospital. We're not going to the hospital. We're not going to somebody's hospital. I ain't going to nobody's hospital. Like, I don't know why it belongs to somebody else, but that's just how we roll." And like you, you fall and bust your head open. Look, I ain't going to no hospital. We ain't going to the ER tonight, so be careful. That's what Rick Stein sounded like. You better be hurt. The ambulance is here. You just better be hurt, right? And that's how I feel. Cause why do this? Because they get him all the way into the ambulance, all the way, and then and they, they get take up a long time to do it. By the way, so long. 
right this is mind you this is now the what fourth match on the show yep okay we're like this is like 20 minutes of getting buff bagwell to this ambulance and taking this match that everybody was like yeah i'm, I'm here for this and just squashing it on the show mm. just so they could do this angle where buff bagwell gets to the ambulance and he gets up and attacks rick steiner all right it's tough one. Oh, what a charade. This is, so, this is so dumb. We wondered about how low they would go. We found out how low this This is revolting. This is revolting. This is not even what go. They should be thrown out of wrestling for life right now. Ban him for life. That's it. As security intervenes, and rightfully so, they made a fool out of everyone. They made a fool out of all of us. Put Oh, that's sickening. I thought he was hurt. I legitimately thought he was hurt. All right, Kendrick. And then just move on. Yeah. Talk. <laughs> oh, my God. They're not even discussing uh, it. Like, that's not kayfabe discussed. That's real life discussed. Like, bro, what are we doing We, re- we really do this angle right now. Like, ugh. We had this man pretending he was paralyzed just so he can get up and attack this guy. Like, he couldn't just do that in the ring right? without faking right. a neck injury. Right. Who would go to that extent not just to in front punch of the somebody crowd in the even. face? They, it was not in front of the crowd where they could right. probably get more heat. <sighs> what are we because, doing? First of all, you wouldn't have wasted their as much of their time, <laughs> number one. Number two, you know, you could have done it right in the entrance way. You know, you have that heat. You know, you don't have to do this. They do it just... quicker within, like, five minutes max, maybe. They could just um, beat him up during the match, like yeah. That and how about that? You had Bischoff come out and where he wasn't on camera for a while. It's like, oh, Bischoff's here. It must be serious. It's like, man, they even like, went that far to just crap. I just on don't understand why. Did. What were they trying to accomplish with this? I understand that the announcers were trying to say, oh, these guys are low down or dirty, they're rotten, but it just made them look stupid to me. It just the whole angle was just dumb. It just nonsensical, nonsensical. And like maybe they wanted to make Rick Steiner look sympathetic, but. You don't need 15, 20 minutes to do that during the course of this. It's so like, bad. You, you don't just, need that. Again, this is a TV segment. This is the fourth time, this <laughs> fourth match in the car, and this is the second time I'm saying this should is something that should have belonged on TV. This is not on pay-per-view in 1998. What are y'all doing, WCW? Just doing dumb stuff now. Just doing dumb stuff. But here we are at Fall Brawl, four matches in. And this is what we get. But we move on from that debacle to the WCW World Cruiserweight Championship. It is Juventud Guerrera defending against Silver King. And I wrote in my notes, thank goodness we're going to get an actual wrestling match. Oh, you wrote that, huh? Yeah. I wrote Silver King's not a cruiserweight. <laughs> he may not He's a big boy. look like it. He's a big damn boy. I think he was about 220, though. Maybe no more yeah, than 220. Well, they said he was at the limit of 225, but I mean, eh, like, really? He didn't necessarily look like it, but really? sometimes, you know, looks can be deceiving. Eh. Okay. Looks can be deceiving. Okay. Uh, this was a good match. We needed, like, a palate cleanser from that yeah. nonsense. <laughs> uh, this was a good match. They put in good work. It wasn't even, like, a great match. It was just a good, solid wrestling match, which is, like, that's all this show kind of needed. <laughs> like, after nonsense with Jericho and Goldberg and the Buff Bag World ambulance nonsense, 
hey, oh, we're on a wrestling pay per view and we get some wrestling finally. Nice. <laughs> a low bar to clear. This was not long guys. after uh, Juventus beat Jericho for the Cruiserweight title. So uh, this is a nice little match to get Juventus, you know, going as Cruiserweight champ. A little bit, get him away from Jericho too. Have Jericho do his thing with the TV title. Because uh, he won the TV title after he dropped the Cruiserweight title to Juventus. So um, I remember, like, thinking, okay, like, let's see. I, I, didn't, I guess the Cruiserweight championship was pretty pretty – a highlight of WCW at this time still. Then you had Kimmon come in. They had Blitzkrieg, which I really like Blitzkrieg, by the way. Um, I like that division, but we didn't have very many good matches left on the Cruiserweight circuit. Mm. Is it, is it beginning nearing the, the end. end. Nearing the end mm. at this point. Maybe like yeah, mid-99 to the end 99 when Medusa would win the Cruiserweight title. That oh, was, man. But that was, you know, Vince Russo coming in. Maybe it was even before Vince Russo. I don't remember. But, yeah, once it's that just, was a thing, I was like, eh. Yeah, this match was not up to the standard of past like Cruiserweight we, yeah, matches. exactly like what we're used to. But uh, for this pay-per-view, you're paper, right. It wasn't. You know, <laughs> you know, the ones we've watched on this deep dives, there have been much better ones. But for this show, thank you, Silver King. <laughs> And Hoover to Guerrera. Uh, after the match, well, Juice, to Juice, Hoover to Guerrera, uh, he wins with a 450 splash. Uh, like, And I said in my notes, it wasn't something I would go back and watch again, but the fans were, fin- were here for the finish, so there's that. Uh, and then Bobby Heenan proceeded to call him the Cruiser Heavyweight Champion. And he's like, oh, well, the Cruiser Champion. And he's like, Cruiserweight Champion. There you go. Cruiserweight Champion. Uh, but moving on, we're backstage with Lee Marshall. At the internet site. Location. The internet position. <laughs> He's interviewing K Dog oh. of the NWO Wolf. He's asking he, if anybody watch, uh, listens to a podcast. <laughs> you listen to my internet position show? Hmm? <laughs> <sighs> right? He's talking about Scott Hall, though, on this night, Ooh. who is having some personal issues that for some reason was played out on television because Scott Hall has a drinking problem in WCW storyline and, and an apparently drunk Scott Hall rolls up to the internet position and throws a drink at K-Dog. Throws it in his face. Okay. We'll see more from Scott Hall in a little bit. We now get a video package of Perry Saturn breaking out from, on his own from the flock and feuding with the flock, including Canyon begging... Saturn to hit him on Nitro, which is weird, and Raven demanding Saturn to break someone's fingers, or else Raven would break his. Oh. Perry Saturn took too long, and the flock made his decision for him, mm. and they broke his fingers. <laughs> Tough way to live. Mm-hmm. Then on Thunder, Saturn held up a sign that said, Lodi is not here, before attacking Canyon. <laughs> Funny enough, the jobber in the ring opposite Canyon was Nick Densmore. How about that? Who eventually become, became Eugene in mm-hmm. WWE. And now it is time for a Ravens rules match between Raven, a.k.a. Johnny Flamingo, ah. and Perry oh, you, Saturn. You put Johnny Polo and Scotty Flamingo together. I see what you did there. Oh, I did do Johnny Flamingo. <laughs> it's the same guy. Who cares? <laughs> Scotty Flamingo. Or Johnny Polo? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Scotty Flamingo, who cares? 
Scott Levy, whatever you want to call him, oh, Raven. Oh. Let's call him Raven. Oh. I called him his government, yeah. Wow. <laughs> but Scotty Flamingo, whatever. He's out here looking like Michael Jackson in the video game, Moonwalker, I believe it was. Moon, yeah, Moonwalker, right? You ever played an arcade game? No. No? No, there was one. I stay home, man. I don't go out. But you you, you know things. <laughs> <coughs> Do I? I, I thought. <laughs> How old is this game? It's from like the early 90s, bro. You go to the Barcade right now in Fishtown. They, at least they've yeah, had it in the past. Okay. It's a side scroller with Michael Jackson. Hmm. Sorry, I was that's, always playing like the wrestling one. That's fair. They might have that down there at some point. <laughs> but that's what G- Scotty Flamingo looked like back in 1992. Was that the last show? Yeah. And now he's just raving. Yeah. He's just a grunge guy now. <laughs> A grunge guy is constantly in his feelings. That's yeah, Raven. He, uh, <laughs> I don't think we were too far away from him being revealed as to having a great upbringing, and he was rich. Oh. You remember that? <laughs> so it's like this whole character was like, oh, he, he grew up a tortured soul and all this, and was like, well, he actually grew up in a rich house. you know. He, and Kenny was- would talk to his mom, and it was just, they were kind of funny, but then it's like, I guess in that time frame, you're supposed to be like, how could you be this tortured soul when you're rich? It's like, well, I mean, it's pretty easy. It <laughs> still can be that, a tortured soul. Yeah, but I exactly. think the point is that he was perpetrating an image that he, right. that wasn't true, right? right? Yeah. I guess that's why he was Johnny Flamingo or Scotty Flamingo <laughs> or Johnny Polo uh, because he was a rich kid growing up. So right. maybe that's the reason why. Uh, but the rules of this match... It's Raven's rules, mm. but there are stipulations. Oh. If Perry Saturn wins, Raven must set the flock free. Oh, wow. How's he going to do it, that? All of its members. If Raven won, though, Saturn must be his servant forever. Hmm. Also, Canyon was handcuffed to, the, to a ring post. Yeah. Good. A lot to keep track of here. <laughs> so. We got stipulations, we got handcuffs, a lot of stuff is going down. The kid just handcuff him backstage. He has to be by the ring. Right. Or you just lock him in a room. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Put a shark cage in his dressing room and put him in there. Right. Something. No, let's bring him to the ring first (laughs) and then handcuff him. Okay. Okay. Uh, Canyon didn't want to be handcuffed, though. He did not go quietly to be handcuffed. I'm surprised by that. Uh, he somehow had his arm near the ring post, though, and Doug Dillinger <laughs> snuck up on him and handcuffed his goofy ass. Okay. And then handed the key to the referee. So uh, they, we all now know. He couldn't keep it himself. Right. He hands it to the referee. I guess he's trustworthy. So now we all know. Uh, Mickey J, right? I believe so. Mm. We all know now that the referee has the key. I wonder what's going to happen there. <laughs> hmm. The match is a match, but at one point, the flock come out to help oh. Raven. And then out of nowhere, Billy Kidman comes out. How about that? And hits Raven with a missile dropkick. Ooh. People went nuts when Kidman came out. He runs off. The, pretty much the whole flock goes chasing after him. That allows Saturn to hit a Death Valley driver. The place goes crazy, but the ref was distracted, mm. which allowed Raven to kick out at two. Ouch. Again, the fans, they came alive for that sequence. 
Okay. There were some good stories going on here with Rick and Scott Steiner and Raven and Saturn that you definitely see the fans were heavily invested in. I mean, clearly. You look at this match, you look at some of the near falls and some of the big spots. Yeah. The place was going crazy for this match. Okay. So eventually the ref gets knocked down. Just so happens, though, he gets knocked down right, right next to Canyon. Ah, how about that? How convenient. Wow. And Canyon just had enough slack. Why? Listen, there are two rings. Why couldn't you handcuff Canyon to the other ring so he's not near the participants? You're making too much sense now, Nick. You're making too <sighs> much sense. You've got to use wrestling man. logic now. <laughs> well, the hell's Canyon going to get the key, idiot? <laughs> right. And all he does is calmly reach into that referee's pocket. <laughs> he looks around like the camera's not right in front of his right. face. <laughs> reached into that referee's pocket, picked his pocket, got the key, and unlocked himself. Freed himself from the handcuffs. Okay. And then starts hitting, and then he does hit Saturn with the flatliner. Mm. The referee wakes up and immediately starts counting, because you know how referees are. They just count. That's what Wait, they live for. Why? He goes back and re-handcuffs himself. Why, did, why can't he just, like, stay by the post? Oh, I guess if he... Rehandcuffing himself. I guess if he's handcuffed, he's not handcuffed. Raven loses. I don't know. Well, he could just put his arm there and act like he is. The referee's not going to know any better. Also, this his... is on camera. We can all see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so many logic gaps. Ugh, well, I can't stand look, it. This is WCW 1998. Yeah. This these won't be the last <laughs> bit of logic gaps. Uh, Saturn kicks out of the move. The flatliner. And then Lodi comes in there. Saturn hits him with a Death Valley driver. Through a table. Oh. Yeah, that, that spot looked crazy. That was. That's that was on the outside of the, the ring, apron. actually. Yeah. So the flock came out. When they came out, they set up a table outside of the ring. Saturn puts Lodi through it with a Death Valley driver. Pretty wild. Looked painful all around. Uh, <laughs> as soon as Saturn gets back into the ring, though... Raven hits him with an even flow DDT, oh, and everybody no. thinks it's over because no one kicked out of the even flow. Nobody. Okay. But Saturn kicked out. <clears throat> and again, the place erupts. Okay. In Winston Salem. All right. Saturn then hit another Death Valley driver to finally pin Raven to win the match and set the flock free. Mm. What a wild match this was. So much interference. So many kickouts, <laughs> but the fans were here for all of it. So you can't complain that much. When this was, up until this point, the biggest, the, the most you know, reaction the fans have given to a match so far. Because right. everything else has been, at best, uh, decent. Mm-hmm. And this is the first one that kind of stood out. The like, first, oh, the first this feel good ending, really. Right. This actually night. had a lot of meaning, and the good guy came out on top. Yeah, so the fans came alive. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I wasn't Probably. expecting to watch Parasite and Raven steal the show kind of <laughs> right? on this on this event, but that's kind of what happened. At least so far, this is by far the best match on the show. Well, spoiler alert: I I, I think it's the best moment of the show by far. Um, uh, like I don't want to say pure moment, but like wrestling wise, everything, the story, uh, the ending. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure this was the end of that storyline too. It was like the blow off. I don't think they really did much together after that it really brought together everything uh the feel-good portion of it like i guess 
you know, the ending of the main event could be seen as feel good, but not like this, you know, like the crowd was more surprised about that. You know, this was fu what everyone was waiting for and they finally got it. So I think it was the best part of the night. Uh, I think it was the best match of the night. I agree. Uh, this is definitely the the match that had the most heat. Yeah, from the fans. Mm -hmm. uh, either this or War Games, but even War Games is mm, you know we'll we'll talk about it. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, this definitely had the crowd going, and it it made this match way better than what it was. I'll say that much because you look at it. There's like five people interfering. We got another guy interfering on Saturn's behalf. We got. A table spot. We got multiple kickouts of finishers from Raven and Saturn, and yet the people loved it. Like, like <laughs> you know, they loved it. So, yeah. by all rights, this was a wild one, but it worked. So that's just where we were in 1998 when we came to WCW. But moving on, we get a video package for the next match, which is a one-on-one -on -one encounter between Dean Malenko and Kurt Hennig. Whoa, didn't know this match happened. Me either. One-on-one -on, -one on a pay-per-view? Very weird. <clears throat> you know, one-on-one -on, -one on a pay-per-view in a regular match coming off a steel cage match. <laughs> what am I trying? What? It's 1998, <laughs> and it's WCW. So here we are. Oh, SmackDown's in Hartford, Connecticut tonight. How about Honestly, that? Honestly, looks like they got a bigger crowd than AEW did, I'm sorry to say. Um... In Connecticut, I don't know where AEW was specifically, but is this where the '94 Royal? Oh no, that was in Providence, Rhode Island. Never mind. This is where WrestleMania 11 was. Yeah, how crazy! Hartford, I Connecticut. WrestleMania. <sighs> Hartford, Connecticut, never getting a WrestleMania ever again. <laughs> Unless they build a stadium and get an NFL team. <laughs> they didn't even put WrestleMania there during the pandemic. <laughs> they put money in the bank there because they had no other choice. In the matter. Oh, yeah, that's right. And they did that Titan Tower. Yep. And somebody fell off the roof. I think Rey Mysterio fell off the roof. Yeah, that was great. Somehow recovered like I a giant. That, match. that was a great match. I don't know if I loved it. It was, it was, it was for the time period. Yes. It was enough entertainment to get us through a night. Right. Because we needed it. <laughs> we did a watch party for that. We did do a watch party yeah. for that. And I'm sure if we watched it back now, <laughs> as with anything else probably from that era... Especially before the the, uh, the Thunderdome, at least the Thunderdome added some bells and whistles. Uh, they you know they tried to spruce it up a little bit, but this is I think this is pre Thunderdome when they were still just doing stuff at the Performance Center, and it's just like what a weird time that was in our lives. Obviously, <laughs> watching these shows yep. uh, during the pandemic in 2020. Uh, but back to 1998, well before a pandemic has ever even thought about. Kurt Hennig is coming out with Rick Rude. Two Minnesota guys yeah. coming out together. Um, they announced that, or the announcers say, they mentioned that this is the same building where Kurt Hennig turned on the Four Horsemen a year prior. Yeah, well, there you go. <clears throat> so there you go. Uh, Malenko works over Hennig's knee during the match. Uh, Hennig at one point tries to limp away with Rick Rude, but the cameraman shooting all of this falls on his ass. Shooting Kurt Hennig and Rick Rude trying to limp away. And this is a weird uh, outfit for Kurt. He's not wearing the singlet. He's just yeah, he had like, like shorts. NWO yeah. shorts. And NWO I, I shorts like and a knee brace. I didn't like it. 
Obviously, yeah, he was hurting, but I didn't like it. It was weird. Who's going to be the last guy on the uh, good guy team in War Games? Do you have any uh, predictions on that? Kevin Owens? That would be a nice surprise. Um, Maybe uh, I don't know if they're gonna. Are they gonna announce it now? Or are they gonna wait till next week? I don't know. We'll see. I have it we'll on see. mute, so I do as well. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I, um, the answer is no. I don't have any good predictions. <laughs> okay. Uh, Malenko gets Kurt Hennig back in the ring. Malenko then hit a Northern Lights suplex or the Perfect Plex, whatever you, you know you want to call that? it. If you're in, if you're WCW, it's Northern Lights. If you're in WWF, it's Perfect Plex. Either way, Rick Rude broke up the pin attempt, mm. forcing a DQ. So we get a DQ finish on this pay-per-view now. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. After, after <laughs> two decent, like one decent Cruiserweight title match and a pretty exciting Ravens <sighs> rules match, we follow that up with Hennig and Malenko, That's, and we get a DQ if, finish. Six days after a steel cage match on Nitro, like we get a DQ, uh, DQ finish. Uh, I don't know what they're doing. They didn't know it either. <sighs> they were just doing stuff. And here Team we are. Malenko, Kurt Henning, which even though Kurt Henning was hurt, it's still like going to be a great match. Could be a they, classic if if they're two if they're both at you know at full strength. Yeah. It's a classic. Yeah. Potentially, the potential was there for a classic at least. But he this not. never even scratched the surface of that potential. No, this is, was a DQ on pay per view in 1998. Uh, which, Rude and Hennig start beating up Malenko, yeah. which brings out Arn Anderson, who also gets his ass whooped. What is? What are we doing here? What Aren't are we you, doing here on pay per view? Getting Arn, Arn Anderson get his ass whooped six days after whipping ass in the steel cage, coming out saving Malenko, beating up Kurt Henning, beating up Rick Rude. Wouldn't you just switch the two? You have didn't. the beatdown on the faces on Monday night, and then you have them. Since the horsemen are going to be reunited the next night, you have Anderson kick their ass at Fall Brawl. And then you. Why would you not. We got to have people get their ass whipped on the pay per view, see? Even though Arn Anderson just extended an invitation to Malenko to become a full (laughs) horseman, he got to show that he belongs by getting his ass whooped. (laughs) Both of them. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, this is weird. I watched that. Like, if they didn't. If they didn't show the highlight of the steel cage match on Nitro, I wouldn't have remembered it happened. And the fa- I was like, oh, Anderson came out, and he kicked ass. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I totally forgot about this ending. And the fact that they beat up Anderson and Malenko, too. It's like, that. It just does, the timeline doesn't make sense. You just switch to two. Switch Monday and Sunday, and everything's good. I, I It doesn't makes sense but maybe they wanted to see more like more eyeballs are watching nitro so maybe they wanted to see have arn anderson do that in front of more eyeballs i get it and you get a cage match on nitro (sighs) which yeah yeah like like you said more eyeballs uh, but like that wasn't how the business was still modeled exactly we we look at it that way now but back then you know they didn't view it that way week to week so i mean they did in some respects but they still would try to put the big matches on pay per view, right? And you know, the, you know, having Anderson and Malenko stand tall on Sunday when the reu- reunion of the Horsemen was the next night would have made more wrestling sense. And they just didn't do it that way. <laughs> I, I, I don't get yeah, it. I don't. I, I <laughs> like they got their ass kicked, and now the Horsemen are back. It's like, oh, yay! Okay. Like, <laughs> all right, then. they can't fight y'all, but they back. 
right? And they only lasted for another few months, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. Whatever. What a riveting end. Pretty sure by the middle of 99, they were gone again, so. Whatever. Whatever. Moving on, we get a cool video package hyping up next month's pay-per-view, which is that Halloween was actually, Havoc. That was really well done. I thought it was great, too, with the yeah. gargoyle and the pumpkin yep. and all that. Yep. That was a dope video package. They dope were doing commercial. better production stuff around this era. Even though their product in the ring and angles and storylines were getting worse and worse, <laughs> they were at like their entrances and their promos were getting a lot better and better, which is funny. It's just like, well, can't have both be great, I guess. <laughs> right. It's like when they say in football, you got to have complementary football. If your Sammy offense is Zane's playing back. well, Yay. the defense has to play well along with the offense. The special teams right. have to play well, too. Right. You can't have one or the other. Your offense is playing well, but the defense is trash. So complementary football is the same thing. WCW, if y'all are listening 20-something years later, <laughs> in-ring product is great. The production has to match. Right now, the production well, is we, pretty good. If we send this podcast to like Pluto or something, it's how far back are they? Aren't they like in the oh. past? Can, I didn't know Pluto was back in time. Yeah, it can't, like, because whatever is happening on, whatever, if you're on Pluto now and you're looking at Earth, apparently, like, we're in the past. I had no idea. I have to Google this. I, I've heard it's something, like. It just boggles my mind time you know fly. this. Yeah. I, <laughs> you know this, but you didn't know, what was it we just talked about? Something about kids, children, something, right? Oh, man, now I can't remember. Something obvious that you should know. Gangs. But you don't. New York gangs or something. Oh, Gangs in New York, the movie. <laughs> something about gangs. kids and guns. <laughs> My God. No, the movie Gangs in New York. Gangs. You never even heard yeah. of it? Yeah, I've heard of it. Okay, at least you've heard of it, I guess. But but, I just but you know about it. Pluto being back in time. I well, it was that. like, I, I remember reading something, and obviously it could be wrong, but I'm I'm just saying like, if I, I read something like if you were on Pluto, you, they would be seeing a war, a war from hun, like a hundred years ago or something like that. That's wild. Like the way time is that, like whatever, like the present time we're in right now is not what they would see on like the other planet or something. And if, I think it was Pluto. I don't remember if it was like you know what. I gotta go back. I, I don't want to. Oh my god. Uh, if I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I will move on with our <laughs> <Please>. show <laughs> while you look this up. I'm not gonna look it up <laughs> <laughs> to our next match. It Actually, is Conan K Dog representing the Wolfpack going against Scott Hall representing NWO Hollywood. And yes, I will mention how dumb it is that uh, the Wolfpack exists, not just that. But also that Sting and Lex Luger are in it. Uh, I will mention that. Don't worry. But we're out here. First guy we see out from this match is not Kurt Scott Hall. It is not Conan. It is your boy, Nick's boy, Vincent. Oh, hell yeah. Wait, let me find it. Hold on. I let loved Virgil. I was like, yes, <laughs> like this guy's awesome. This guy's awesome. He's holding... <laughs> He's clearly okay, coming so out I was with way Scott. Off. Oh, you were way off. off. It's, it's, okay. So if you had a mirror on the moon, you could see two and a half seconds into Earth's past. 
if that mirror was on Pluto, you could see about 13.4 hours into Earth's past. That's so, kind of wild. Not years like I thought, but... I like, what? They could see a war from 100 years ago? No, no. I obviously lied about that. Okay, you lied about that. Uh, whatever I read was... Uh, it lied not. to you. So this this was on... This is on physics.stackexchange.com. Oh, that's a reputable from, site. From, <laughs> from my understanding of light, you are always looking into the past based on how much time it takes the light to reach you from what you are observing. For example, when you see a star burn out, if the star was five light years away, then the star actually burned out five years ago. So I'm 27 years old. If I was 27 light years away from Earth and had a telescope strong enough to view Earth, could I? Oh God, this is a lot. Never mind. Never. That's that's a weird ass question. Could I theoretically this, view myself being born? Let, let's save this for the astrology version of the straight shooters. <laughs> uh, the Cosmos version. We get Neil deGrasse Tyson on here. He can tell us some stuff. I don't know. <laughs> let's invite him. Let's sweet at him if Twitter's still working. Let's see if, if Twitter's still working. So far, so good on a Twitter. It's still working front. But yes, there's a place where you can like see the Earth from the past. So that's kind of what I was getting at with the sending this podcast to WCW 20-plus years ago to hopefully have them not make the same mistakes out in Pluto that they did on Earth. Okay. <laughs> All right. They just learn it from my mistakes. Pluto is just, just, just this utopia. They're like, all right, well, we saw how they didn't do it 13. How they did and did not do it 13 seconds ago. Let's do it a different way. Let's do it differently. But we move on back to Fall Brawl. Kevin, not Kevin Nash, Scott Hall <laughs> is out with a drink in hand. And he's being chastised yeah. by Vincent for being drunk. Hall you know what? literally has a drink in his hand during his entrance. You know, Vincent's really looking like an enabler here. I mean, the whole company is. I mean, come well, on. <laughs> I don't I'm, know how I'm, anybody I'm watches to talk like storyline terms, but yeah. The whole, yeah, but yeah. In storyline terms, yes, he's very much an enabler because he never said, hey, let's pour this right. drink out. He just hands it right back to him. It just shakes his head. It's like, come on, is it? Right. He is drunk. On, he, could be, he could hurt himself. But even in reality, why are we doing this? Yeah. They, and, and it's not just WCW. WWF did the same thing with Hawk. And it just doesn't make any sense, man. To no. bring these, it looks bad. In hindsight, it looks really bad to do this to people who had yeah. legitimate issues going on, and now it looks even worse that now Scott Hall has passed on. Hawk died, obviously, yeah. back in the early 2000s, but um, having to go through it <clears throat> now and watching it now with Scott Hall being gone now as well, it's like, this is rough, man. Mm. Like, why did why did anybody agree to do this? Why did, everybody, why did anybody come up with this idea? This is kind of messed up. Right, and I, I think they would tell you, well, we hoped it would help him, like, stop that behavior it's like well i mean how can you know that like why why would that why do you think that would be the end goal of this like it's just gonna make even though obviously it's not an alcoholic drink but people are gonna like say things to him in the crowd like you don't know what that's gonna do to that person exactly while exactly they're calling him a drunk right like you're a drunk he's not even drinking alcohol like right and he's legitimately got addiction issues right that shame could affect him, you would think, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You would think. You know, so that's it's, exactly what my head was at, too. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, you know, a doctor, so I don't know that for certain, but 
that's what it seemed like that would happen, right? Something like that. It could be a potential uh, side effect of I mean, even doing to- this angle. Even today, uh, wasn't it at a GCW show a few months ago where somebody literally got in front of John Moxley and drank a beer in front of him? Because they just... That's not cool. They don't know how to act. Like, a <laughs> lot of wrestling fans don't act. know how to act. They don't know how to be human. It's like, why would you do that? Even if you think it's a joke or something, that's not. We're in 2022, man. Like, we're 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 past the 90s of like joking about stuff like that, and you know, people being too weak to take a joke. Like, that's we know way more about the psyche, the human psyche now than we did then. Like, that's just not how it works. Like, it's I I I remember seeing a video of someone uh, just getting in front of Moxley and do chugging a beer or something it's just like he's trying to ignore it it's like you gotta be kidding me with this was stuff, it a wrestler man. did that no it was someone in the, he was coming through the crowd oh so okay. somebody a fan in the crowd it's just stupid that's still crap, not right man. that's not right that's why that's fans right don't never deserve the benefit of the doubt man i hate like and it's it's not just wrestling fans i mean fans of any scope do stupid crap all the time but uh wrestling fans always seem to find a new low to sink to and at certain times and Especially when we're dealing with stuff like that, they yell things at Moxley in the ring. You know, even he, he used the F word on TV because you know people just can't help themselves. It's just it's so ridiculous, and I don't. I'm not blaming the pandemic because this happened way before the pandemic too. It's like people just don't know how to act, and it's, it's just it's so magnified now because now that we're you know gathering again in, in large groups, people just do dumb stuff. They just can't help themselves. It's really frustrating to watch because, like, you you don't know if they're going to be banned for life, really. Like, people are like, oh, they're going to be banned forever. It's like, well, okay, hopefully, but will they do another stupid thing? <laughs> like, probably. Like, what makes you want to go in front of John Moxley knowing he's coming back from rehab and chug a drink right in front of him? What would possess you to do that as a human? You just want to be. You just want to get your your spotlight. You want to be a dick for for the sake of being a dick. Whatever. Have fun with that. It's still screwed up. Yeah, for sure. For sure, it's still screwed up. For sure. Especially, like I said, these are real life issues that people deal yeah, deal yeah. with. So that's kind of messed up. Um, back to Paul Brawl. Uh, I, I even asked myself, like, even in kayfabe, would why would anyone let him wrestle Scott Hall, right? right? right. If he's supposed to be drunk, but then because I'm like that will never happen in real life. And then I thought about Victory Road 2011 <laughs> when Jeff Hardy was out there clearly inebriated. It's like, well, I yeah, guess well, it's Sting not made that sure. far off. Sting made sure to <laughs> they weren't going to wrestle. So yeah, but they still sent him out there to begin with. That's true. Like that's uh, uh, yeah. yeah. What do you mean? <clears throat> take it like that. But it's funny because well, maybe like you know, backstage thing was like send him out and I'll take care of it. You know, maybe it's just one of those things where you got to trust your vet to do the right thing. I mean, in this instant, you can't trust Vincent or Co- or the referee or Conan. To, they're not like vets that deal with this type of thing. You would think. Like Hall's the vet here. If anything, I don't know how long Conan was wrestling, but Scott Hall's been in, in the business. You know, at least over a decade at this point. So, I mean, he's the vet here, seemingly. So, what what, what do you do? Yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know. But I'm just saying, like, I guess in the hypothetical, if it were real, the way Jeff Hardy right. came out, um, you know, I do remember, uh, what was that, 2011, right? Yeah. I think I was on, you know, Twitter. It was Twitter's infancy a little bit, a couple years old, of where so many people were, you know, live tweeting stuff, you know. And that you would never go to Twitter for to, like, talk about a show until, like, a few years into Twitter. Um I think Game of Thrones was like the first thing I really saw live tweeted a lot, but wrestling pay per views also were were starting to be live tweeted a lot, and everyone was like, "What the hell, Jeff Hardy? Like, what the hell's going on? Like, he's messed up, he's effed up," and I wasn't watching it, so it got me interested into wanting to know what went on, and you know, I, I read all the you know websites and everything after the fact, but I watched it. I watched the actual footage. Uh, I want I don't remember if I ordered the DVD or if I saw it on uh, the TNA like on demand service. Um, but I remember watching it. I'm like, damn, that's messed up. And Sting made sure it was like, yeah, we're not messing around here. So he yeah. just looked so disappointed, you know. But I mean, everybody was. Yeah, it was. It was a mess. It was a. And it, it was a it, big I mess. think that was one of the first times I saw that play out, like on live TV too, where. It wasn't just an angle. It was a legitimate thing Real going thing. On. Real thing. Yeah. Uh, it was still an angle uh, in WCW, however, at least for yeah. now. Uh, I don't Scott remember Hall. if this was before or after Hall threw up on Nitro. Because I don't oh remember. It's when Kevin Nash came out, Bischoff came out, and then he really didn't throw up. He just kept the liquid in his mouth and then acted like he threw up. But I remember watching that, and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, this is real. <laughs> They yeah. got me. <laughs> it got you because you, you, you're a teenager. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. You don't necessarily know any better. Uh, Scott Hall still does a survey despite <laughs> having a couple drinks in the system. Uh, not, But not before taking the drink from Vincent and then like hiding it behind his back for some reason like as if nobody's going to see it. Uh, and then Conan comes out in the wolf pack. Hella over. Yeah. I mean, they were the hottest guys on the show. You almost forgot how big, at least how popular, or how big of reactions the Wolfpack would get. The problem was they were the NWO. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's like, why do we have another set of the NWO? Like, what is, like, really treating us like gangs now. But yeah. then you have Sting and Lex Luger join the group. Right. <laughs> right. The two guys, and you point to two guys that were, you know, anti NWO throughout 1997, <laughs> it would have been Sting and Lex Luger. Sting, Lex Luger beat Hulk Hogan for the title. And then so did Sting. Yet here they are, representing the NWO. They could have just been the Wolfpack. They could have just been WCW because you had like WCW guys that were still good guys. You didn't have to necessarily join an NWO, but maybe they needed to freshen up their character. I guess still didn't make much sense, especially when he turned Sting's face paint to red. Which I yeah. swore, this is one of those things in wrestling where I was like, I wanted it so bad. Like, I it swore. Did look cool. like, I mean, did it? I thought it looked cool. I'm not going to lie. Better than the white and black? No, the white and black is the quintessential sting, right, obviously. Right. That's what do you go from that to red and black. Like, but I didn't uh, hate I, it. It looked cool. But it just, the, the thing that upset me the most is that they were the New World Order. If they were just like the Wolfpack as like an individual group yeah. that wore red and black, yeah. and. Without they the were just the same music and everything. Yeah. yeah. It would have been fine. And the, the music was dope. And then yeah. Conan was over, like, rover because of it. Yeah, it was. 
Right? He comes out. He does his version of the survey. It was funny because Kurt Henning was like the only guy not over. That's why they had to turn him. <laughs> <laughs> the only guy not like, wait, over. Wait, nobody's going to cheer you with the Wolfpack, so you got to go back to Hollywood. <laughs> right. And they were like, Hollywood was like the pretty much the cornballs, right? I mean, yeah, Stevie Ray. It was Hogan, Hogan and the cornballs. <laughs> Brian Adams. And Hogan Scott was only really cool. Only, Hogan was only really cool because Scott Hall and Kevin Nash is with him. Right, right. <laughs> All right? That's the only reason why. So once they left, it was like, well, I guess Hall was still there. But once Nash left, it was like, you're not cool no more. And then the Wolfpack was like the cool guys. They was like hip and like not really young, but like definitely more hip. You know, Nash is yes. wearing the bandanas and the FUBU jerseys. Conan at the flannels. Wolfpack had, in the his house. Right. Like, oh, my God. Right. Kevin Nash, a white man, also multiple white guys in wrestling, rocking Fubu. We don't talk about that enough. Yeah, they Big were like, were they like <laughs> our allies in this matter, like <laughs> supporting a black business. Wild stuff to see. And twenty plus years later, um, but yeah, the Wolfpack, stupid over. Just shouldn't have been affiliated with the New World Order. They were a faction of good guys. Once the NWO are a good good guys, you've lost the plot. We're lost here. But Conan does his version of the survey, oh, and <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but Conan was getting the people going with his survey. All right, <laughs> he even shouted out the NC State Wolfpack, which was a nice. bit of a bold move because they were at right. Wake Forest. Right, they weren't at NC State. Mm. Uh, but even that, he, he was so over it didn't even matter. People yeah. Were like, yeah, Wolfpack, let's go. It reminded me of like Stone Cold Steve Austin being cheered at Survivor Series '97 because it was in Montreal, but he beat Owen Hart. But like, no one cared about his anti-Canadian thing against the Hart Foundation anymore. They just loved Stone Cold Steve Austin. They cheered anything he did, <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> no matter what, we, kick up uh, Brett's ass too while you're at it. <laughs> right, doesn't matter. You're Steve Austin. We like you. Okay. Uh, Scott Hall begins the match. He's running in between the two rings. He's messing around. Uh, and it, I mean, they're not, smart, they're not, right? That's kind of smart strategy. Yeah. But then I noticed that Conan sounded like he was from North Carolina, the, the reactions he was getting. You would have thought he was from North Carolina, the way they were cheering for him. Okay? It's wild stuff. But then you got Vincent, who just... He's standing out there with the drink in his hand. Scott Hall goes out to take a swig of the drink. <laughs> and he's like, why wouldn't Vincent just dump the drink somewhere? He don't want him to have it. He literally put it under the ring. <clears throat> Anywhere. Like, Sorry, bro. I put it away. You can have it after the match. Scott Hall is in control of the match, and he just stops and just goes out and gets a swig of the drink. <laughs> Sorry, right. Virgin. I can't, I can't back you there. Man, it doesn't matter, though. Conan... He comes in, it hits the teeth. He kicks a drink out of Scott Hall's hands <laughs> and then puts Scott Hall in a tequila sunrise he, uh, for the win. See, like, the people in the front row, like, what, what happens when you get, like, when you're in the front row and you get, I think about, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin's beer truck, Kurt Angle's milk truck. Like, what happens if you're in the front row? Do you just love it because you're part of, like, a great segment? Or are you just like, I got wet, what the hell? And you're, like, pissed about it. Like, I wonder what they thought about it. Uh, they probably didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean, probably. Right. But. They probably didn't care. One thing I noticed after this, during the replays, they were like, oh, was he tapping for tapping out? Or was he ordering another round? Oh, my God. Ouch. Jesus oh. Christ. 
He was clearly tapping out. Well, yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come on, still terrible. No time still for terrible. Jokes. And we're moving on <laughs> to Michael Buffer. Oh, who's in the ring. He's already there. Yeah, already there. Did you see that? That I think uh, Ricochet just went with like a, a moonsault on a standing Mustafa Ali. Because Mustafa Ali is losing a lot. I don't know. I got to see He's that He's selling ribs, so. That's true. He is selling the ribs. That is true. But Michael Buffer, he's in the ring to introduce the next match, which, of course, uh, is our main event. Let's get ready to suck up. Oh. <laughs> not that what one, I was is expecting. <laughs> it's not what I was expecting. That's a Pacone edit. You got to love it. Wow. Ricochet hit a moonsault on Mustafa Ali while Mustafa Ali was standing. That was pretty dope. Um, but A World Cup match. I like how they're doing that, too. It's on Fox. Yeah, it matches like that matter. Cup. That's nice. Yeah. Some tournaments here and there. The winner gets a crack at the Intercontinental Championship. All right. I think, right? They get a trophy. Uh, I know that. But. They get a trophy. We know that much. They get a trophy. <laughs> We're moving I on. It is time. I'm going to be pissed if Braun wins this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think he will. I hope not. But it is now time for the war games. <laughs> like Gary Michael Capetta, man, bringing it back. <laughs> Let the war games begin. And the cage is lowered with the dramatic music and the fireworks. And it is now time for that match, the war games. You got Team WCW's DDP, Roddy Piper, and the Warrior against Team Hollywood, Team NWO Hollywood, mm. Hulk Hogan, Stevie Ray, and Bret Hart going up against. Team NWO Wolfpack, Kevin Nash, Sting, and Lex Luger. Michael Buffer introduces Diamond Dallas Page. He's the first guy out. He calls him Diamond Diamond Dallas Page, which I always found weird. Diamond Dallas. Just He's Diamond. Enunciating. Diamond Dallas Page. It's weird. Uh, the A is not silent, <coughs> is it? You got to say no. it. Diamond. You don't say Diamond. 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 Well, then get rid of the A, then, if you don't want to pronounce wow. it. I actually get rid of all the letters in my name, pretty much. I got silent <laughs> letters throughout my name. <laughs> so that's not how it works, though. <laughs> True. Right? We start off the match with DDP and Bret Hart. Again, they have a little bit of an advantage as they get to go against each other one-on-one. The other members of each team are backstage. Which is the dumbest rule change ever. but It's very convoluted, yes. Stupid. It's very convoluted. The next guy would be chosen at random. It's not really the guy that's chosen at random. It's the team that's chosen at random. And then they pick from there who goes out. Okay. So we start off with Bret Hart and DDP. The next guy, next team out is going to be NWO Hollywood. Who comes out? It's not Hulk Hogan. (laughs) It's Stevie Ray. No. Flapjack, sucker. Yeah. With a slapjack. Flapjack, flapjack, slapjack, whatever it is. Flapjack. No, I mean, they, uh, is it slapjack? Is it, they said flapjack. slapjack. Flapjack is like pancakes. God, I'm an idiot. I thought it was slapjack, but wasn't that the guy's name who was in um? What was that group they had uh, in, oh, uh, in, in WWE a couple years ago? Yeah, wasn't it one guy named Slapjack? Yeah, and T Bar. Yeah, that was nonsense. But Vince McMahon is a genius, right? 
Stevie Ray's next guy in. He helps Bret Hart beat up DDP. The announcers, though, they were puzzled as to why Stevie Ray wouldn't try to pin DDP and win the match for himself. Could they you imagine he... Goldberg versus Stevie Ray headlining Halloween Havoc? No. For the title. That's why it didn't happen. <laughs> nope. They believed, though, that Stevie Ray was under the instruction of Hulk Hogan right. to not win the match. Gotcha. Which turned out to be true. Makes sense. The next guy in the match, though, is a member of the Wolf Pack, and it's oh. Sting. Oh. And just like for Conan and every other mention of the Wolf Pack, the crowd goes crazy. It went nuts for the Wolf Pack. Again, this is a much different Sting from the guy we saw in our last episode yeah. back in 1992. Because <laughs> he's not only not the surfer anymore, he's not even the crow. He's Wolf Pack Sting now. Where are we in the plot with the new world order? Regardless, Sting, he takes out Stevie Ray by leaping from one ring to the next, Ricky mm. Steamboat style with a clothesline. He almost uh, got hurt. <laughs> he, he almost didn't he make almost it. almost didn't clear, yeah. <laughs> but he made it just enough, Whew. right? <laughs> that clears the way, though, for the next guy out. It's representing Team WCW. It is Roddy Piper. DDP seemingly has an ally. Psych. Because they fight each other. But for Piper, this is his one and only war games. How about that? Yeah, he's been in uh, WCW for two years at this point. He's never been in the war games until Mm -mm. now. Mm -mm. Piper didn't really have a bunch of friends, though. So it really never made sense for him to be in this match. He was all like, I'm not part of WCW, but now here he is on Team WCW. Like We covered Uncensored 97. And there was Team NWO, Team WCW, and Team Piper. Like he made, it, he made it clear he was not a WCW guy. But I guess here he he uh, made a little. I don't know. Um, what the hell's the word again? I'm missing the word for it. I don't know what word you're looking for. Can't I help either. you. <laughs> I can't help you. He just. He became a part of Team WCW, I guess. He was tired of being a loner. Okay. Ty got his, getting his ass whooped by the NWO every week. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> That's pretty much Sting and Lex Luger. They're like, look, man, we, we can't beat him. We'll join him. We're not going to join Hogan. We'll join Nash. So <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Um, <laughs> but, again, Roddy Piper in War Games for the first time. Obviously, when War Games first started in 85, Piper wasn't even – was it 85 or 86? Something like that. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Something like that. But Piper wasn't even in WCW yeah, at that point. Right here. I printed out the history. Oh, wow. Four games. Yeah, printed first it out. match was in 87. 87. So I knew it was somewhere around there. Yeah. Piper wasn't in WCW at that point. He wasn't in <laughs> NWA, no. I should say. So it took a while for him to get there. Uh, but, again, Piper and DDP are fighting each other in the ring. They're supposed to be on Team WCW. But here they are proving that who gives a damn about the teams? It's about the world title, apparently. Okay. Up next is Lex Luger representing the Wolfpack. Another big ovation for a Wolfpack member. Oh, he's he's a- followed by another Wolfpack member. Oh. Hey. Oh, oh again. Damn it. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I meant to stop it, but it stopped right before I clicked it. So then when I clicked okay. it, it started playing again. All right. <sighs> but he's followed by another Wolfpack member. It's Kevin Nash. Hey, and that's it. All right now. Yeah, I don't want to get sued, right? <laughs> exactly. 
But now, all three members of the Red and Black NWO are in the ring. They're the first team with all three members in the cage. And again, fans go crazy. Mm. So, right? theoretically, one of them should walk away the winner. They're outnumbering everyone else. Theoretically. But that does not happen because Hulk Hogan sneaks his uh, way into the ring early. And they just let him in. They just let him in. He just easily didn't really try to hide. He just tiptoed down to the ring like a <laughs> creek. Do, 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 do. Here I am in the war games. You can't sneak into a war. That's what Hogan did, though. Okay. Just creeping <laughs> on in there. And then he hits Nash and Piper with a weapon. Ooh. Mind you, this happens before the time runs out. So he's in there for like a solid like a minute and a half before the timer runs out. Right? And then they got to set the new timer again for the next person to come out, which is going to be the warrior. Right? But before that, Hogan was being a real menace, bro. <laughs> because he hit Piper and Nash. Then he turned around and hit Sting and Luger. Mm. And then he instructed Stevie Ray to attack Bret Hart. Mm. Again, <laughs> NWO Hollywood attacking each other. The, the teams don't matter. And Hulk Hogan being it, a real menace, like I said. It is a slapjack. Slapjack, okay. Yeah. Hogan also hitting multiple leg drops on, on Nash. All right? <laughs> Because again, which, which is hilarious. Nash is like completely laid out. Like he's not even moving. He's like selling those leg drops like death. But the funniest thing is, is they're waiting, obviously, for that smoke. And they look so stupid just waiting. Like, I'm sure you're going to get to it, but Hogan is literally, I think he was forced to do another leg drop because he's just standing around waiting for the smoke to start for the warrior to come in oh and he's like waiting around he's like looking around he's like oh, i better do another one because i look like an idiot he does another one and he still looks like an idiot because he's waiting <laughs> and then once the smoke starts for warrior's entrance then he goes to pin nash like it's he sees the smoke that he's like oh i gotta get this pin to try and sell you know like everything it just it was the word like wcw to a t in this era it just everything just misses Ever so slightly sometimes, but everything just misses. Well, this missed because smoke bellows into the ring. And now a supernatural warrior pops up. <laughs> He's beating his chest or something like that. And, and Hogan says, the, forget this, and knocks the hell out of him right away. The most terrible looking chest pound. The warrior never looks like that. Pounding his chest. It was the worst. I thought it was like the renegade or something. It was the worst warrior chest pound I've ever seen in my life. It was life. terrible. All of this was terrible. It was brutal. It All looked of this was really bad. It just looked bad. All right. But then more smoke comes into the uh, room. We need more. And that warrior disappeared. Oh. What? What the hell? Well, not all of them. All Hogan had left was his jacket. There it is. He's holding it up. Okay. <laughs> However, running from backstage... Is, is is the warrior? The, no, it can't be because Hogan just laid him out. So there was an imposter warrior. Oh, a clever ruse by Must the warrior. Must have been why his chest pounds looked like ter looked really terrible. It's awesome. not warrior like at all. It's really dumb. But the warrior comes down to the ring. He starts whooping all kinds of ass. <laughs> the disciple comes out and pulls Hogan out of the cage immediately because Hogan wants no parts of the warrior. He left my man Stevie Ray in that cage to die. 
Can't trust these white folks. Stevie Ray. You learned a lesson that day. Left your ass in the cage. Why? Can't trust Hogan. Can't trust him. Right? Hogan wanted no parts of Warrior so much that he left the match. <laughs> Title shot. Forget that. Don't want no parts of that. He's trying to escape, but the Warrior literally tears his way out of the cage. So Which he stupid. did not have to do. Warrior, there's a door. Well, that. Well, he locked it, right? <clears throat> so they locked, locked the door. Locked the inside? No, they right, locked I the guess. door when, when Hogan got pulled out by the disciple. They locked the door. Did you notice that that steel cage surrounding the two rings does not go all the way to the floor? You noticed that, oh, right? Oh, I didn't even think about it. No, it's not supposed to, though, right? Exactly. Like, games don't. Right. All the warrior had to do was go in between the ring and under either under the ring. Oh, that's or, not well, Like, he didn't have to do all that. He almost seriously hurt himself when he jumped out of there, by the way. His arm could have easily got caught in that fence when he jumped down. But it, thankfully it didn't. But his arm could have been like off his body if it caught that fence. Off his body. He would have lost an arm. <laughs> it, it just look, If you go back, it's just the way he, when he jumps down, he's pretty damn high on that cage when the warrior jumps out. But he like grabs the fence with his finger, with his fingers, and then jumps down. I was like, man, if those fingers didn't like unlock from the fence when he jumped down, and they he accidentally got caught in one of them, that could have been really bad for his arm. <laughs> could have got him busted up pretty bad. But yeah, he could have just went underneath the ring. But whatever. Yeah, that was uh, that was a lot. None of that made sense. You go under the ring. What? What would have been better? Like, I guess the visual you need a warrior breaking out of the cage. I get that, but it's still because he's he's strong. Oh, he oh, didn't even why. said like, oh yeah, oh, you know, why. he's he's uh he's gonna tear the whole cage down <laughs> or something like that. So he can't uh, he can't do that. He can't say all that, and then Warrior just like, oh, I'm stuck in here now. <laughs> well, that, that's why you go in between the rings. You just crawl out and chase him down boom that's all you gotta do well, the cage not is not covering the ring aprons you could easily get out of that cage <laughs> I realized during this match at any time <laughs> we, had to show, we had to show Warrior in his feet of strength of tearing his way out of the cage <laughs> leaping after Hogan and then they're getting his hands on him for real for real he got a couple hits on him but not a lot Hogan runs off because the cops get in the way he got the cops in his pocket too. Oh, no. Okay. So the cops get in the way out of nowhere. They just come out of nowhere and separate them two for some reason. It's war games, but we got cops involved. Mm. Back in the ring, poor Stevie Ray, left Barnes lonesome. Mm. He's trying to hit Bret Hart with a slapjack of I guess. Whatever happened, it didn't look oh, good. That was bad too. Oh my God. He even oh. goes, he nailed somebody <laughs> with it. Which is I guess did he? Well, he was know. he was going for DDP, right? And DDP moved, and then yeah, he hit so, hard. It was supposed to be what happened. I but guess, it yeah, it was, was weird. It pretty much was not what. Yeah, it's supposed to be DDP, right? Yeah. Why is Bret Hart helping Stevie Ray after beating him up for one? For one? <laughs> DDP takes advantage of this opportunity, hits Stevie Ray with the diamond cutter, and wins the match, and he now earns a title shot against Goldberg, 
at Halloween Havoc, which we've talked about this match before. We've done a deep dive on it. Check it out in the archives. It there. It's a great match. It was cut off. It's it, didn't see it live, <laughs> but it's by far the best match on that particular show. And poor Stevie Ray, why does he have to be the guy to get pinned? <laughs> why they got to pin the brother? Why they got to pin the black man? Nash and Luger and Sting were like, nope, not me. Why they got to pin, pin the black man? Why not the other man? All right? No, they got to pin the brother man. All right? I'm about to call the NAACP right now on this defunct company. All right? DDP, he runs off. He celebrates with the fans. He's happy because he's got a title shot. Biggest match of his career coming up in the month. And that's how we go off the air at Fall Brawl 1998. What a weird and at times disjointed show from WCW. Brutal. Weird show. So many missed spots. So many things trying to make Hogan Warrior seem like the biggest thing ever since WrestleMania 6. Like. I remember, like, yeah, I guess it was because it was summer, 98. You know, the rumors of the Warrior coming back were, you know, getting bigger and bigger. And then it was like, Warrior signed with WCW. And I'm like, I do not want to see this. And not just because Stone Cold Steve Austin was just really beginning his run as champion in WWF. And I was, like, so enthralled with that. It's like, I mean, I saw Warrior and Hogan in 90. You know, it was the first big match I ever saw. Like, I, I don't want to see it again. You know, I saw Warrior in 96, and it wasn't anything special in WWF. So why would I want to see it now? Uh, Hogan is old, like, older. Like, I, I didn't like his matches with Roddy Piper. So, like, what makes, why is this going to be any better? I remember being, like, so over it. I didn't watch this show live, but I did watch Halloween Havoc 98 live and remember just being like, oh, my God, like, this is just brutal. And... There's a reason why they didn't really move further with it after that, but just little things like this where, oh, we got to have Warrior breaking out of the cage when it's just like, bro, could have went underneath the ring. And, and I just, I, I get, like, you almost, if you do that, you can't really have a War Games match after that because everyone's going to be like, oh, I can just go under the ring and escape that way. Like, I get that, but. <laughs> it just didn't make sense to me. Um, Hogan coming in early and just like no one caring. I was like, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't drive with this man. I can't. Every time Eric Bischoff says Hulk Hogan never, uh, you know, made decisions on his own, blah blah blah, never called the shots. And I just looked at stuff like this, and I'm like, you're wrong, man. Like, there's no way somebody in charge would have been like, okay, like you could do this. And have it look that bad. I, Ho- Warrior in the mirror on Nitro and Hogan, like being the only one that oh can God. see him, and us being the only one that can see him, but nobody else. Oh like it's some of the worst wrestling TV that I've ever seen. And this just brings it all back to my memory. Like just stuff like this. It just it was bad. And it was it was so bad. It was terrible timing for WCW. It really one, was. We're seeing the cracks in the foundation during 98, right? Especially when you look at Fall Brawl and Halloween Havoc. You can see cracks in the foundation. You got the Warrior stuff going on. We got Buff Bagwell. In this match, he's pretending he has a severe neck injury. At Halloween Havoc, he's oh. pretending to be, what, Bill Clinton? 
Yeah. Right? And he yeah. gets beat up. And he, he dresses up as Bill Clinton to interfere in a match oh my God. for no reason. It's just stupid stuff. Oh. But then on top of that, WWF on the other side has Stone Cold Steve Austin. And really, and they don't really, they didn't need a whole lot else. I mean, they had DX, they had The Undertaker, they had Mankind slash Cactus Jack or Do Love <laughs> and The Rock. They didn't need much else. And Sable, I'll give Sable her due as well. She's a draw. Other than that, they didn't need much else. And it wasn't like WWF was, you know, in hindsight, obviously there's a lot of uh, missteps they made during the Attitude Era. But Stone Cold was so over, it didn't matter. Right? So this was a bad time to have rough-ass shows if you're WCW yeah. Yeah. from a creative standpoint. Yeah, the building had 11,000 people in it, and the product is still hot. Let's not confuse it. 97 is probably the best years from a creative standpoint and maybe even from a business standpoint, WCW. 98 was probably a great year, too, I'm sure, from a business standpoint. But for creative, creatively, you can see it's going down. And meanwhile, WWF is on the rise creatively, and they're selling out everywhere they go. By the way, they were in this, trouble. This month, September 1998, WWF was so, I got to see, like, so set in their plan of action for, like, the next year. They took the belt off Stone Cold Steve Austin and didn't even look back. Like, right. they're like, we're going to take the belt off Stone Cold Steve Austin September 98. And he's not going to get it back till WrestleMania because we're we going to turn the rock. the rock and we're going to have the rock in Austin. Right. Like, they had a plan. Like, just taking the belt off Stone Cold Steve Austin did, just made them stronger because they had to tell that story, that chase. Obviously, the story's in the chase, right? And, like, they just know the fact that they were just like, yeah, we're going to do this, you know, whatever. And WCW is not going to be able to overcome this. And they never did. Like, Goldberg was champion and Stone Cold Steve Austin wasn't. And everyone was still in love with Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's like, that's when you knew, okay, maybe he doesn't necessarily need the title, but we're going to put it back on him at WrestleMania anyway. But, um, yeah, he was the guy, man. Like, they had no... I'm pretty sure they had no second guessing of taking the title off him because they knew they were going to crown him back at WrestleMania. And they, that's a pretty long time, like September to March, April, to, to think that, okay, we're not going to have a champion for two months, and then we're going to give The Rock the title for the first time ever, and he's going to have to carry, you know, we're going to have that little few with Mankind, have the title change a couple hands, I, I a couple times. I think that that was actually a lot of fun. Like when I remember watching back, like the Rock of Mankind switching the title a couple times, like that was really fun. I enjoyed that. But then just having Austin win the title back at Rania, like that whole scene in WWF was so much better than anything WCW was doing for the Wolfpack. Even though you're right, it was they were mega over Goldberg. It's just they didn't, they couldn't reach you know Stone Cold Steve Austin and the Rock and Mankind in that time frame. It was just like incredible. Incredible story telling from WWF in in their main event scene and WCW like not terrible storytelling but they just couldn't match them no matter what everything could have been perfect on this show and it wouldn't have mattered. WWF wasn't perfect but they hit on the things they needed to hit on yeah. which was the main events. Yep. WCW obviously not perfect as well but they didn't hit on their main events at this time. <laughs> the main events weren't hitting. When you they, got the war and they pulled the Phillies. They pulled the Phillies in Game Four of the World Series. Wow. I didn't listen, want to go there. I, listen, but. man. 
I actually had people unfollow me because I I'm using Kyle Schwarber bunting in the World Series as a as a meme. Um, <laughs> listen, man, we got to get over at some point. If you're if you're out there like getting upset that I'm using Kyle Schwarber bunting as a meme, uh, it's a you problem, not a me problem. So <laughs> lay down the law on that. Like, just saying, man. And on that note, <laughs> let's. Take us out with some plugs, please, on episode oh. 344. Well, what did you think of the show? Oh, well, it, like I said, it's disjointed at times. It was weird. Overall, just... It was just... It wasn't great. No. It was not great. Not at all. There's so many things, and it left me like, what? What are we the what are doing? The last war games on pay-per-view, I believe. Wow. Until 2022? Or I guess in 99, they had Hogan versus Sting in the main event. No war games. I think that was on Nitro. Then the, I think they had another war games on Nitro oh boy. in 2000. So uh, yeah, this show was not it though. No, not even with the war games mm-hmm. on it. This was not it. Mm-mm. But again, let's wrap it up for episode 344. 344. By the way, you ever realize Bret Hart wore black wrist tape in WCW and I did paint, not. pink in the WWF? Did Very not. Weird. I wonder why he did that. Did not. But. In the I'll, meantime, I'll do plugs. Take <laughs> For a third plugs. <laughs> Trying to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't intend on talking about Bret Hart's wrist tape at this uh, point. I made a note at the very end. I don't know why, but I, I had a. I had to. Just you know, in case anyone recognized that the way I did, you can. Uh, you can tweet me at underscore Pacone for as long as Twitter's still back up. And also uh, check us out at the Shooters Pod on Twitter as long as Twitter is still back up. Uh, check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Shooters Pod. And you can check me out at phillyinfluencer.com and foxphlgambler.com. I am at Vaughn M. Johnson on Twitter. You can find me there or find me out here in these streets. You can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash the Shooters Pod. We can subscribe for some exclusive content or request a future deep dive. And if you request a future deep dive, we will fulfill it and we'll have you make a cameo on the show that we're deep diving into. So, again, patreon.com slash the Shooters Pod. Go check us out there. Check us out on all our social platforms, like Nick said. And just check us out in general. Again, the shooterspod.com and everywhere else. You can find us out there on these interwebs. But until next time, for Nick McCone, I am Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening to episode 344 of the Straight Shooters, and we'll catch y'all again next time. Hey, baby, this is Jippy Hart, baby. The man for the South, Jippy Hart. And you listen to the Vaughn Johnson and Nick McCone of the Straight Shooters, baby. Yeah, baby. Hulk Hogan's my best friend. Did you know that?